What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Gentlemen, boys and girls, marks of all ages, Social Suplex Podcast Network presents the first ever episode of Keeping It Scottish Style with myself, Clive, <laughs> uh, my partner Ricky, good evening Ricky, good evening, and Mr Social Suplex himself, pro black guy from Keeping It Strong Style, Jeremy Donovan, how are you this evening? I'm good man, thank you so much for inviting me on, looking forward to this guys. Oh, it's, it's an honour to is, have you on. This man, this man created Social Suplex Podcast Network. So, From the it's up. an honour honor to have him on. Yeah, man, it's an honour to be on. So, it's been a very busy week, weekend, and a few days as well with the Raw and SmackDown television. SummerSlam has been and gone. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn number four has been and gone. Mixed bag in terms of some of the creative, but... What we'll do is we'll touch on NXT TakeOver first. So, Jeremy, why don't you give us your opinion on the, the night overall on Saturday? All right. So, yeah, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 overall. I thought it was another uh, solid home run from the NXT brand. I mean, these TakeOvers just do not uh, fail at being fail good. At being good. They're, they're just great. They're just great. Um, and from top to bottom, man, just a great show. I. Pretty much all the matches hit home for me, so I'm really interested to kind of like break down, go through each match, and you know talk about each matchup. What about yourself, Ricky? Um, yeah, once again, um, it delivered from top to bottom. Uh, no real complaints about it. Um, yeah, I completely agree with everything Jeremy said. Um, going into the actual pay- uh, takeover itself. There was the Gargano Champa match. I was, I kind of felt like I was almost over done with it in a sense. I, just, I didn't think I wanted to see it again. But then, you know, you just see how good the good the artist in the ring. You see uh, how great the match was, and you kind of you just get caught up in it, and you realise why you kind of love love that feud. But let's say it's from top to bottom, um, no real complaints. Um, couple of stars were were made. I think that evening. So let's say. Um, loved just about every single match to be honest with you yeah when I was actually watching it on the, the Sunday morning for me I was sitting there thinking could this be one of the better ones I've seen because it just seemed to be hitting it out the park I think the EC3 and Velveteen Dream match was good it was still solid Just I think the other ones were just so far better that it seemed to suffer as a result of that because I think the other matches had MVPs, definitely Tyler Bate. He had an outstanding night in Ricochet as well. Would you, Jeremy, have you got any particular MVPs of the night or matches that you preferred more than others? 
Uh, I mean, I love the tag team match, Undisputed Era mm-hmm. and Mustache Mountain. I mean, those guys are having bangers every time they go out, whether it's on TV tapings, in the UK, on takeovers. Those guys can do no wrong when they're in the ring together. And I, I think it's the Undisputed Era. It's just a great stable. You know, those cocky prick heels that you love to hate. And, um, you know, I've been a big Roderick Strong fan for a long time. So I'm so happy to see him doing so well finally and getting the push he deserves. So I think MVPs, I probably give it to um, Undisputed Era. But, I mean, overall, I mean, everything was still solid. I mean, Gargano and Ciampa, kind of like you were saying, Ricky, it was kind of like kind of overkill for the third time in a row. But those guys are talented workers, and they still hit it out the park. So, Yeah, with Undisputed Era, I mean, there's been a lot since basically WrestleMania season. On NXT TV as well, they've had match of the year contenders regularly, and the common denominator in all of them has been the members of Undisputed Era. Whether it's singles action with Adam Cole versus Pete Dunn, um, the six man tag that they had with Pete Dunn and Oni and Lorcan, and then the program going moving in with Mustache Mountain as well, it's just been constant like fire matches all the way through. And I think plaudits should still go to the likes of Pete Dunn. Tyler Bate, Trent Seven and the likes but for me Undisputed Era they've done it again they've just been quietly plodding away and it seems like they are getting the recognition they deserve but they've had some year some calendar year when you look back on it Ricky I think the beauty of them is I think they've also got the ability to to be a face stable as well um, yeah, I I agree with everything you say there. I think I, I just want to give special praise to Tyler Bay. I thought he was he was my MVP of the night. I thought he looked unbelievably impressive. Um, but yeah, un, un, undisputed era. Um, I think I'm really looking forward to when Fish comes back as well. I think that's only going to enhance those guys as well. Um, but overall thoughts on Undisputed Era is that, like I say, they're unbelievably over with the crowd. And I think, like I say, if they do turn them face and potentially looking at their next feud for the tag titles, they could potentially be going into that as the faces, um, unless they go heel-heel. But like I say, I think they've got the ability to, to continue staying over with the crowd, whether it be face or a heel. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you were mentioning, Ricky, about them being face, you know, here in... Uh... Tampa and Florida, we're lucky the NXT runs their Largo loop and we get to see these guys quite often. And there are some nights where they'll put Undisputed Era against like Forgotten Sons or some other random heel tag team and they will be the babyface because they're just so over. Everybody's chanting Adam Cole, baby. Undisputed <laughs> Era chants the whole night. So yeah, those guys are awesome. And um, with this coming up feud, it looks like with War Machine, I still think War Machine will be the babyfaces going in. I think that like sneak attack was just a way for them to kind of make a make more of an impact and let people know that they're kind of here and they're ready to play. I think when you mentioned Adam Cole, I know Clive's heard this story. I don't know about yourself, but where it was <clears throat> the WrestleMania, the ladder match, um, when he done the super kicks etc. and he done his Adam Cole baby. I was sitting uh, next to my wife and I was watching it and. She she looked over and saw it. I was watching it on my phone, and she told me to turn put it back. And she just sort of peeking over my shoulder to say like, "Oh, who's that guy?" And she was talking about Adam Cole, and she was like, "It's quite it's quite 
kind of cool to see the entire crowd, the entire stadium or arena sort of like in unison saying it. So it kind of just shows you just how much of an aura he has when a non-wrestling fan can actually see that. Yeah, he definitely has like charisma and definitely knows how to connect with a crowd. And I know some people are kind of mixed on him just based on his in-ring performance. I've been watching him since uh, Ring of Honor days when him and Kyle O'Reilly came in as a team, uh, Future Shock and the Ring of Honor, then kind of his like kind of growth in that company becoming a two-time Ring of Honor champion. So I've seen Adam Cole kind of from the beginning, and I've always been a big fan of him. But I know kind of newer fans or people who kind of like have a higher work rate aren't the biggest fans of him. What do you guys think about Adam Cole overall? Well, it took me a while to get used to it. Used to him, the, the shock factor of his appearance at last year's Brooklyn, that got that made me pop just from the shock factor of it all. And it did have a feel of a sort of new new world order coming into WWE. And then it just sort of fizzled out a wee bit personally. It just wasn't doing much for me. But then when it came to his sort of new no DQ match with Alistair Black in the January takeover, I thought he did really well there. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the match with Pete Dunn, uh, on TV, the WrestleMania weekend match that he had, just there is something special about him. It seems to, he's not got the best sort of, he's not all flash in terms of his sort of over the top work rate, but he brings out the best in his opponents, and that's a, a skill that should be mentioned more than it does. So I think that's why he's, he just comes across so well. I think, although Ricochet didn't need it, he made Ricochet look like a million dollars or a million pounds, whatever you want to say, on Saturday night. That Ricochet was another contender for MVP for me. The stuff that he was pulling off, it was just a crazy, crazy end to a really good match to that one as well. I actually, I agree with what you're saying, but I actually think Adam Cole in that match was, I, wouldn't, I, want, I don't want to say more impressive, but I thought Adam Cole more than sort of played his part in that, in that match. Um, I think if Vince and the Pebbles can be can get past the whole height weight issue, I think he I think he's going to be a could potentially be a, a big star on the main roster. I think character wise might work. I think all and it's similar to EC three. I think EC three is going to be more suited on the main roster than than he is on NXT. Mm-hmm. But I think I see this kind of similarities with Adam Cole. I think his character working if if you book him properly as as a heel, like I think he can be quite big on the main roster, but his issue will be the height and weight and whether, like I say, Vince can see past it. Yeah, the, definitely his appearance would probably be an issue to Vince. And also just like the, the booking of current NXT stars, there seems to be really no game plan going forward. They're just kind of like, hey, we need to call some dudes up. Let's mm-hmm. bring some guys on TV. And then one minute they're on TV, then the next minute they're not. So... That would be my fear, bringing up Undisputed Era. I don't want them to be in a sanity situation where, you know, you hype them up for coming on the main roster for so long, and they show up, they lose their first match, and then they're kind of on and off TV. So hopefully, um, you know, Vince can just see how great these guys are together as a stable, and there will be, like, a solid plan for all four of them coming up together. Oh, that's what I think the interesting part will be is when Fish is back and what they do with Roddy Strong. Do they keep him as a foursome or do they turn on Strong? Do they turn on um, Adam Cole? So 
I'm, that's what I'm quite interested to see what happens in that situation. I kind of, I've, I've floated out to Clive a couple of weeks ago. Do you think it's possible that they would turn on Adam, uh, Adam Cole and have Roddy Strong lead them, but Clive didn't seem too enamored with that? Yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to um, break up, break them up anyway or turn on each other. I think what's going to happen is um, now that Adam Cole's lost the North American title, I could see maybe Bobby Fish getting the North American title in the future, and then eventually Adam Cole getting the NXT title. Then you have all four members of the faction holding the belts together, and they're really running NXT. That would be good. The, what were your thoughts on the EC3 Dream Match, Jeremy? ECC Dream Match, you know, I thought it, it was probably the weakest match on the card, but it was still good. I think the problem is... uh Velveteen Dream is still young and he's still learning and he benefits being in the ring with a guy that has a little bit more experience than him like a Ricochet or a Cassius Ono and EC3 uh, he doesn't have the most flashiest styles and I don't think he works best as a babyface his best work has always been as a heel so I think it was kind of a weird dynamic for him and uh, you can even tell the crowd like they kind of wanted to be more behind Velveteen, but they had a kind of they wanted to cheer EC3. So it's just kind of like a weird dynamic, and both of them don't really have the flashiest move sets. Mm-hmm. So, but overall, I still think it was a solid, you know, worked match. Yeah, it was, as I was saying earlier, it was solid, and I really liked the the ending sequence with the sort of Dream Valley driver onto the apron and then the elbow onto the Purple Rainmaker as well. So it was a really good outing. It's just there was something a wee bit off about it, and I'm, I might have an um, unpopular opinion here, but I was not a fan of Dream's Pants on Saturday night. Uh, they uh, call me up, Vince. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I get that. I, th- I, I just think it was just trolling. I think it was just... Uh, I wouldn't read too much into it. I don't think he was panned on to anyone. And let's like say the whole outfit... It's, uh, well, you don't have an issue with the outfit, but the outfit itself was dedicated to Biggie, but your issue is more so the pants. But I think it was just sort of just having a joke at people's expense. Yeah, no, I know some like places are reporting that apparently Triple H was mad that he had that on his tights. I'm not sure if that's 100% true or not, but I just think it was just Velveteen just having fun. He's very creative with his gear every takeover, and even on NXT TV. So I just think it was just kind of a, hey, it's a funny thing. We're in Brooklyn. He knows Vince is probably backstage watching. Just pull a little rib. So I I think on the conference call post-takeover, apparently Triple H said he, he wasn't aware that he was going to wear those pants, but I find that quite hard to believe as well. Um, I, I just think I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, like you said, I think it was just a bit of harmless fun on his part. That's a work. Surely. <laughs> yeah. See before. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen one of these two get called up this week. I for sure thought that either the winner or loser could potentially uh, get called up. And like you guys mentioned earlier, EC3, I think he is uh, main roster ready. He's had plenty of years on TV with Impact. And I just think as a heel, he could be really dynamic on the main roster right now. Especially, I think on the Raw brand, they really need some heels that can go on the Raw brand. So, I I would love to see EC3 called yeah. up as a heel on Raw. He's got a very similar um, gimmick to Bobby Roode, 
who works better as a heel and they don't seem to be wanting to turn Bobby Roode heel on Raw at the moment so maybe there is room for EC3 to go up there and fill that void yeah I mean, or, or I, he, no and you go Jeremy I was gonna say or also too maybe we can do like a tag team of EC3 and Bobby Roode and do some kind of like you know both these two rich guys just rich snobs kind of jerks because that that was that was kind of that was more or less his gimmick in TNA slash Impact when he came in as Dixie's nephew, right? But he was you know they had the whole silver spoon thing in his mouth and like I said his best work then was as a heel. Um, I agree. Like I said earlier on, I think he's tailor made for the main roster. The the mic work, the gimmick, the aura, just the way he presents himself. That's that whole. And I hate to sound like a cliche, but he he comes across as like a WWE superstar yeah um, so and, and like I say his wrestling ability wrestling, he's, he's never going to be on you know where Seth Rollins etc are but his wrestling ability is fine it's nothing wrong with his wrestling ability it's more so everything else which is going to put him at the top and put him over um, and it, like when you think about it um, there's maybe one or two real top top heels on Raw at the moment, so there is a position there for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they eventually do with someone like Drew McIntyre to see whether or not they elevate him now. Um, but like I say, there's definitely a spot there for EC3. And I, I would be quite surprised if he's not coming up. I don't think he'll come up now. I, I kind of I was expecting him to maybe come up. Um, uh, on Monday night there I think maybe closer to Survivor Series now but I don't see him being on NXT beyond this year and if he is I think you're kind of wasting his time and his talent down there if you're going to keep him down there for that long yeah definitely and I think it's funny you said he's like kind of like you know the perfect WWE kind of style wrestler because you know I had a bunch of social suplex guys over here on Saturday Rich and James and young boy were all watching take over together and Rich was like this is a WWE match of the night both mm. of those guys, both Velveteen and EC3, kind of work that traditional uh, WWE main event style. So I think that's going to benefit both of them when they eventually get called up. And I'm kind of glad he didn't get called up as well just right right away because I think there is a big problem on the main roster of just calling guys up and having no plan for them. And plus, I just, I just think the, the roster is just bloated right now. There are a bunch of people on there that are not getting enough TV time or being used and to me, it's like if you you really have no plan for these guys or, you know, have any intention of using them, I think it might be some time to, you know, go back to the old way of doing some spring cleaning and just releasing some guys. Uh-huh. But the problem is I think WWE is just they're so afraid of letting anybody go and them turning into a Juice Robinson or a Cody and becoming a bigger star on the independents right now. It's a good point. I, th- I think they should try and at least stay away from call-ups at the big four pay-per-views. WrestleMania, okay, I can kind of get it because a lot of the feuds, the, the storylines work in a sort of April to April calendar and if they're going to call people up then, then okay. But the other times of the year, it would be better if it was more organically done because I'm thinking that we'll touch on this match next with um, Shayna Baszler losing the, tit- the NXT Women's title to Kyrie Sane and the impending Evolution pay-per-view. Do you think there's a possibility that Shayna Baszler could be called up soon? Uh, I definitely think so. I mean, we're starting to see more of the MMA for horsewomen uh, being on TV. Uh, Jessamyn Duke and uh, Marina have been, um, you know, making their debuts on the Largo Loop here in Florida. So I've been hearing good things about them. I haven't had a chance to see them um, yet. 
um, probably the next couple of months as we go to NXT house shows, we'll see them. So I think eventually they're going to get that MMA four, four horsewomen on the main roster TV. So I could see um, Shayna being called up soon. I expect her to get at least maybe a, an NXT women's title rematch, uh, maybe one or two rematches before she gets called up. Mm-hmm. Would you think that would take place on the tapings or a takeover? Um, so the next takeover is what, War Games? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they run back um, Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler at War Games. Is there an NXT women's title match at Evolution? I think so. Yeah, they. Yeah, Stephanie said when the official announcement, they said that all three uh, women's titles would be on the line. Right. As well as, I think, the May Young Classic as well, was that? Yeah, the May, yeah, the May Young Classic finals are happening. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know if you guys saw the news, but um, there's going to be some more NXT UK tapings that's coming up weekend, and they're going to be crowning the first NXT UK Women's Champion this weekend. Yeah, that's good. So stuff. there's potential for that for that title to be on the line at Evolution as well. That'll be good to see. I'm just doing a wee bit of fantasy booking here, and if they do have Kyrie Sane and Baszler at Evolution, say Baszler loses again. Earlier on in the match, and then you've got a feature match between Ronda Rousey and rumored to be Nikki Bella or something like that. Yeah, that's what that's the rumors right now. <laughs> well, uh, they could maybe have Shayna Baszler run interference in that match to upset Ronda Rousey. Maybe not make it a women's title match though. My only issue with that would be that if you then would need to run Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey and who. Who, who loses um, I personally wouldn't do that straight out the gate I wouldn't I would try and keep them apart for a time being uh, and then maybe eventually do it maybe SummerSlam next year because I think they could because I, I personally would, I would like to see Charlotte and Ronda Rousey at Wrestlemania and then I think you can still you can then do Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey later on in 2019 I, like I, say, I just wouldn't do it straight out of the gate I just wouldn't yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 I think that ties in with the whole when you bring NXT folk up, what you, like you said about Jeremy said about Santa earlier on, you bring them up one week, they lose, then they disappear. And it's like, I know Shayna Baszler's great, but you know you want her to come up and make an impact, but she's not going to make an impact coming up against Ronda Rousey. Right, and I agree with you, Ricky. They should definitely hold off on the, the Ronda-Shayna uh, match as long as possible. I definitely think the way to go is to just have Ronda and Shayna kind of teaming together on the main roster and do the four horse horsewoman stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if that Survivor Series they run that the uh, WWE four horsewoman against the MMA four horsewoman. So I can see that happening, and I definitely think you hold off on that, and you can build the whole storyline of Sh- uh, Shayna being like, "I'm in Ronda's shadow. I've been, I did the indies. I've been in NXT. Like uh-huh. I did, I came in this business the right way. You just came in off of your name. You're kind of a washed up fighter. You know, you just you came in off your name." You know, you you didn't grind like I've grind, and I'm here to show you that I'm the real, you know, the horsewoman of the group. And, and not only that, wasn't um, Ronda her coach in one of the uh, UFCs? Was it um, 2010? Was it tough enough? Not tough enough. Uh, the <laughs> um, uh, Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, Ultimate Fighter. I think Ronda was her coach, so you can let like us say. And even at that point, she was more experienced than Ronda. So, like you said, you, that's the, I think that's the perfect angle to go at. Yeah, definitely. Was was the uh, Shayna Baszler Kyrie sign match a success for you? Did you like that one, Jeremy? Yeah, I definitely liked that. You know, I kind of rated that uh, like three point seven five to four stars. 
thought it was a great match. Kyrie Sane is a great baby face. Um, you know, she gets the crowd behind her every time and she has so much fire. And when she gets that like intense, like I'm going to kill you face, like, you know, it's game on. Um, and Shayna Baszler, she's the perfect bully heel, you know, just despicable person. So I thought it was the perfect dynamics to like kind of play off of each other. And I think I liked their, uh, May Young classic finals match better, but I still thought this was a solid outing from both of them. I would probably need to watch that final again, but. I've I have struggled with Kyrie Sane for a long time. I'm, I know I do get that she has a really good baby face and she's got all the the facials and getting the crowd behind her, but there just seemed to be something missing for me. But what I was reminded of was that she has a really good chemistry with Kyrie uh, with Shayna Baszler. They seem to just work well together, a yin and yang kind of style. Um, so they hit it out of the park for me, and it was the first time when I was really rooting for Kyrie Sane and when she won I was quite shocked because I didn't actually expect a title change to happen but when when it did happen I wasn't annoyed it was a feel good moment and it sort of in that quote unquote death spot area of the card they did well to elevate especially after the North American title match before it they didn't seem to suffer from that at all yeah and I think um, with the finish I was surprised too that um, they put the belt on Kyrie Sane but I love the finish like it was almost kind of a fluke victory uh, uh, Shayna's going for the Carafuda clutch and then Kyrie just kind of backdoors her way out you know pulls like a Bret Hart uh, move right there that, that kind of flip over roll up uh-huh. and kind of surprised Shayna and got the win so I still think you 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 put over Kyrie as the new babyface champion but you also protect Shayna and it leaves the door open for a rematch. Shayna can come on, you know, TV this week and be like, you know, that was a fluke. Um, I think she did a promo backstage, like on the YouTube thing, and she was like, you know, I didn't lose to Kyrie. I lost to myself. Like, I beat myself. So she can play that whole angle up and, you know, really fight her way for a rematch. And then the next match, if you want to keep the belt on Kyrie, then you have Kyrie beat her definitively. And then that kind of elevates Kyrie even more. Yeah, I think they might do that rematch then, uh, Evolution. Um, my only one gripe with it was when Shayna Baszler was twisting and manipulating Kyrie's knee and legs uh, or ankle, like quite early on. Like I, I, I just quite I wish Kyrie maybe sold that a little bit better. Um, but that's my only gripe. My other than that, you know, that was absolutely tremendous. I've enjoyed Shayna Baszler's last three or four matches. Um. I think she's more than main roster ready at the moment. Um, and like you said, Kyrie Sane comes across as, as, as a real sympathetic babyface. So, it, like I said, I I don't know if his finish surprised me. Um, I, I didn't really... I can't remember who I picked last week now when we'd done our predictions, Clive. Um, but overall, I thought it was a really, really good match. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I said, I, I absolutely love Shayna Baszler's work. I think... She just has a, like you said, she has a real nasty mean streak to her and she just comes across, like you said, as a bully and just someone that was similar to the way Vonda comes across on the main roster and that she just doesn't, she just takes no prisoners and she's just going to beat the hell out of anyone in, who gets in her way. I think, she, I think she's absolutely tremendous. So you mentioned selling of her ankle there and how there wasn't much of it. The main event, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, Really high-octane match, very intense, fast-paced, and I did enjoy watching it, but there wasn't much selling going on there. Did that take you out of it at all? 
That didn't really take me out of it. Uh, I mean, these last man staying ma- matches, they're kind of tricky to work because the crowd knows that there's not going to be a 10 count anywhere near the beginning of the match. This thing's <laughs> going to go at least like 20, 25 minutes before there's even a, a serious potential uh, knockout thing. So you kind of have to like shift your mindset a little bit when you're watching like last man standings or like extreme rules matches. And like you just kind of kind of imagine like the pain like um, tolerance kind of goes up for these guys. But and so they're just kind of throwing everything at each other except the kitchen sink to kind of knock each other out. So it really didn't throw me off. I mean, uh, we kind of have a a rule like Rich has a rule that like there's like there's pretty much no way to have like a bad last man standing match. Uh Like for the most part, there's good. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two exceptions to that rule. But last man stands are usually always good. But at the same time, you never really see like a super excellent last man standing just because you just know, like I mentioned, first like 20 minutes, you're not you're kind of out of it because you're kind of waiting for even crazier and crazier spots to get the potential knockout. And so it just and that that whole ten count it's it's a little bit longer than your normal three count anticipation. Yeah. So it kind of it, it raises the the floor, but it lowers the ceiling on how great of a match it can be. I think two quick points. Um, first of all, where Jeremy says they threw everything at each other, including the kitchen sink. Well, they threw a, a ringside crew member. Uh. Uh, so, and I, 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 that was without a doubt spot of the weekend. No, no spot topped that. It was excellent. Um, quite funny. Um, like, yeah, the no selling part doesn't bother me either because, like you said, last man, last man standing match. It's a blood feud. You know, the adrenaline's going, and I think if you're liking it to. For instance, a boxer who's been backed up against the ropes and they've taken a big punch and they know they might be about to go, but they just start throwing punches because that's natural reaction instinct to kick in. It's just to try and hit back and get out of the situation. It's kind of similar in that sense. So, I like I say, I'm a big believer in selling. Um, like as big as a fan as I am about of, of Roman Reigns, years about three or four years ago, my biggest gripe about him was he never sold very well. Um, but Selling wise, I'm a big believer in it, but I think sometimes in certain matches against set in certain feuds, the no selling aspect it doesn't really bother me too much. And let's say, and maybe maybe if it was a if it was just a normal standard match, maybe I would have been um, slightly annoyed. But like you said, because it was effectively no DQ, you know the adrenaline's going to be going, so I don't I don't mind the no yeah. selling aspect right. of it. I, I think for the bigger spots, they did sell, like the, the barricade spot when they broke that and when uh, Ciampa kind of going through the table. So I think some of the bigger spots they did um, sell, but normal stuff that they would probably normally sell a bit, little bit longer. It was a little bit fast, but like you mentioned, this is like a no DQ match. You kind of expect yeah. that. Yeah, I think the story that these two guys have had for the last year and a bit now, I can understand the hatred bringing about a certain super natural amount of adrenaline as it were uh, a couple of points see, see the bit where Gargano was trapped under all the chairs and the, the ring crew guy who I think was also yeah. attacked in the AJ Samoa trap Samoa Joe yeah it was same same guy same guy was just so <laughs> <Good> <laughs> man had a terrible weekend a bonus in his pay packet uh, but when Gargano was pinned I thought he actually was pinned and I thought shit they've, they've fucked up this ending here um, but, yeah, yeah, I was worried that he wasn't going to get out. Uh, <laughs> I was a wee bit panicked, but a couple of things that I was wanting to mention about this one. Uh, James Boyd's not going to like this, but I'm becoming, <laughs> I'm a fan of Tommaso Ciampa now. I'm all in, as it were. Oh, without a doubt, fuck Gargano. <laughs> 
I mean, Dude, the funniest thing. So J- <laughs> James was over here watching it, man. As soon as Gargano did the slip and got counted out and Ciampa got up, he literally stormed out of the room and left. <laughs> man, got his, got his keys. Got his charger and he's like, man, whatever, this is dumb. Later, guys, and like this left, <laughs> so that was hilarious. So yeah, man, James loves him some Gargano, and I think they kind of did did do some damage to Gargano and made him look like a dumb baby face with that kind of a banana peel slip move. But um, Champa, yeah, he's an amazing heel, and he's another guy that I watched in uh, Ring of Honor and in the Indies, and just to see the the length that he's come in his career. I mean, he's just a heat-seeking magnet. You know, usually at NXT and Full Sail, those are like your smarkiest smart fans. They usually cheer who they want to cheer. And Ciampa's a, norm, a guy from the indies that they would probably cheer regardless of what, whether he's the face or a heel. But he's done such a great job of being a heel. Like, he walks in Full Sail, booze, asshole chance, you know, <laughs> F you, you know, everything. This, this man gets mad heat. And I love the fact that, you know, he waited so long not to sell any T-shirts and finally <laughs> made, a, it made a big deal of it when he finally did sign a deal to sign a T-shirt. The best, heel move, the best heel move I've seen him do, apart from spitting on Gargano's wedding ring, which is just disgraceful, but yeah. uh, when it looked like Gargano was going to put Trampa through the commentary table, he'd cleared the, the monitors and clipboards off the top, but Trampa got up and did the air raid siren through the other table which didn't have which still had all the stuff on it and you think to yourself if you want to cause damage to your opponent you put them through the commentary table with all the the monitor still intact so to me he did more damage there and I just thought that's what heels should do when it comes to commentary, that's what anyone should do when it comes to commentary table spots so I really love that part of the match specifically I think the good thing about it now is that We've don't, it's, it's not a definitive conclusion I don't think it's just a case of we're going to put it in the back burner and we'll come back to it maybe later in the year or early next year I think for me the storyline has now shifted to Gargano unable to control his anger and and that that rage that he has and uncontrollable rage is causing him to make, this, uh, make bad decisions he first of all cost well, he effectively lost the second match because he, he didn't allow uh, Tommaso Ciampa to be carried out he wanted to come back in and finish him he ultimately comes down and cost Alistair Black the title and even even there like you know just pick up a steel chair or something you don't need to put yourself at such risk so I think I think maybe the story I'm trying to tell now is Gargano himself has now completely lost it and he's not thinking straight and it'll be interesting to see where they go from here maybe maybe they bring him back in about four, five, six months time and say I've had time away I've reflected and you know, I've got my mind straight where I can now come back at Tommaso Ciampa and I can get the title back from him. But like I said, I think for me it's a nice welcome break from it because like he says, I was kind of starting to... I wasn't kind of starting to, I really was. I was at the point where I was excited for the match only because Alistair Black was in it and when, when, he, when he went down, it was quite, oh, we're going to get this again sort of thing. But, you know, like I say, it's, it's a bit of a welcome break. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how that triple threat would have worked out if Alistair was healthy and in there. I'm guessing that it would have a similar finish in where uh, Gargano's anger gets the better of him and ends up Ciampa pinning Black somehow. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, what they're going to do with Alistair Black and kind of this, like, whodunit storyline going forward. That whodunit angle that they had on NXT last week was hilarious with the... 
um, heavy machinery taking selfies with Alistair Black's oh. prone body in the background. <laughs> it was like so funny and like so ridiculous at the same time. It's like all these guys are just chilling in the parking lot with their gear on. Like you got Velveteen just like chilling out there. You have a bunch of like Largo Looper guys with like Wesley Blake chilling out there. Cassius Ono's like trying to hit on Candice LeRae and Kyrie Sane and like Street <laughs> Profits are out there like running around. It's like, what's going on in this NXT parking lot right now? Uh, it was like you know, a- it's just seeing him, seeing him lined out in a parking lot uh, made me think back to Itami when Kevin Owens walked past and, and didn't break stride and was like, oh, it's such a shame. And yeah. you were like, oh, you're just, you're not a nice person at all. <laughs> It yeah, was, did you guys see the tweet from Hideo? He's like, those uh-huh. parking lots are unsafe. Yeah, that, was <laughs> Th- that scene reminded me of like a cross between CSI and Scooby-Doo. That's what it felt yes. like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I will give the... I was ready to see the Trampa Gargano story finish, and it looks like it has for now. But I will give it a pass because, I mean, who knows what the plans were with Alistair Black and the triple threat. So they've obviously only had two or three weeks to change plans, um, change match type and change booking and match what they're going to do. So as long as we get a wee break from it for a while, I'd love to see someone different take on Trampa and see how he works against another babyface for a change. It could be interesting going forward. Ricochet's not in the queue because he's just won the North American title. So who who off the top of your head? Don't know. Let's let's take Alistair Black out of the equation for now. Who would you have as Champa's next opponent? I don't know, man. There's so many guys down there that you can choose from, and also too, um, you know, we saw the the debut of Matt Riddle on this show in the crowd. That's a huge signing, and um, I don't know if you do it right away, but I think Matt Riddle's definitely a guy that you can put in there with Champa. Ricky? Would you put him in with the intention of giving him the champion title or would you keep it on Champa? Uh, I guess it depends when it happens. Like, I would try to probably hold that off until maybe WrestleMania. I mean, Matt Riddle is such a star. Um, great charisma, like, easily gets the crowd behind him, and I can easily see him being the top babyface in NXT. So I would hold that off until maybe uh, WrestleMania weekend and crown Matt Riddle as a champion right there. What would be interesting about that feud is Champa thrives on the hate of his opponent. And Matt Riddle, from my limited exposure to him, seems like a guy who just doesn't care and is very easy going. So that would get under Champa's skin and it would be interesting. It would be an interesting dynamic between the two because Matt Riddle wouldn't care. As far as I'm aware, he can wrestle his socks off. Well, he doesn't wear socks, so... There we go. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, that, Matt that, Riddle... That, that'll be the intri- I wonder if they'll make him put on uh, footwear. I think maybe in NXT he'll have a little bit more freedom to kind of do what he does now. Maybe when he goes to the main roster, they might try to get him to put boots on. But yeah, Matt Riddle, he's an incredible worker. Um, got to see him WrestleMania weekend against Will Ospreay in an amazing match. And yeah, this guy's just super talented and I think you guys are going to love him when you see more of him yeah, I really am looking forward to seeing him and more of Keith Lee as well oh yeah dude Keith Lee's another one he's another guy that I could see potentially being a challenger for Ciampa I, I don't know if you have him beat Ciampa but um, Keith Lee's another one of those guys that's just great worker crowd gets behind him he's another potential you know maybe mid-car babyface right now but um, yeah I could definitely see him eventually getting a title shot one last thing about Riddle, I, I think 
I would rather they didn't put any um, shoes on him. Um, I think I'd like him just because that was one of the thing, the cool things about Rusev when he first debuted that he came down. He didn't have any footwear on, and it kind of he stood out from the rest. Um, so let's like say it's it's, kinda, it's different, and I think I'd rather not see him um, wearing any footwear. Yeah, and um, right now I'm, I'm scrolling through like the NXT roster right now, trying to see like who could be like the potential next contender. Kona it's kind of hard. It's, it's really hard. Um, it's got to be Kona I, Reeves, surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no Kona Reeves. Uh, you know what? I could see Velveteen Dream getting a title shot next. Mm. I mean, he's supposed to be the heel, but at the end of the day, he's beloved. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that can easily kind of flip-flop between being a face and a heel. And I really don't see what would be his next program because I don't I don't see him, you know, going for North American with Ricochet right away since they've already had that matchup. So, I mean, I think Velveteen would be a great option to throw out Ciampa first, especially if you want Ciampa to get a couple um, defenses under his belt. What about Cassius Ono? You know what? That's another great guy. Uh, he's a very underrated guy. I mean, before he came back to NXT, I mean, he was tearing up the indies, having all these classics of all these guys, and he's very underrated. He's super talented, uh-huh. and I think he's the kind of guy that he has the recognition to be a number one contender, but you know kind of deep down he's not going to win. So he would actually be a great um, first challenger for Ciampa. See, because you're saying there that he probably won't win, I do agree with you, and I think that would be a perfect place to have, perfect match to have at War Games because all the focus will be on the actual War Games stipulation match and the main event. So, have yourself a, a heated feud and a really good hard hitting match between Ono and Champa. Champa retains, but it's still got good use out of Ono in the process. Yeah. So, is there what do any- you think about Ono? What do you think about Ono, Ricky? <laughs> what are you laughing at? No, no. I remember once you wanted to talk about in the podcast, and I turned around and told you I don't care about him, and that kind of brought an end to it. <laughs> oh, I think I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Cassius Ono is it's one of those things like if you haven't seen him as Chris Hero in Ring of Honor in the Indies, you just see like this fat, like white dude coming in here, and you're like, what's so special about him? But if you actually like watch like previous stuff and get like a better like scope of his work, you'll see why he's so special. But yeah, I mean, I don't blame you if you're just watching him on NXT and you're just kind of like, nah, just another fat guy that throws elbows. But see, the thing is, every single movie does has the impact of a finishing move. Yeah. How can you not love well, yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, his whole gimmick on on the Indies was like that 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 young knockout kid, the knockout artist, and. So that kind of works with his initials too, the KO thing. So that was his whole gimmick in the end. He's like, he could pretty much knock you out with any strike. So so if there's nothing, is there anything else you want to talk about from TakeOver or shall we move on to Sunday night? Uh, I think no, we can move on. Yep. So obviously, Jeremy, you do you cover New Japan with Young Boy on Keeping It Strong Style. So we don't usually get a, a regular update on your opinion of the main product for WWE, the main roster. How did you feel that SummerSlam went overall? I thought it was pretty good. I was honestly surprised. I think at the end of the night, I think it was from top to bottom, I think it was probably one of the better main roster pay-per-views of the year um, coming following Royal Rumble. I think we had a, a big drought between 
from Rumble to now of pay-per-views not being the greatest and kind of missing on a lot of big matches. And I thought for the most part, uh, SummerSlam, for the most part, there are very good matches, a lot of great uh, storyline developments, and just, yeah, I think overall just a solid performance. Lucky? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. For, for, for the most part, I think, well, I think, like you said, we know we like to try and be as positive as we can, and we're always saying that it was it was, it was was okay, it was good, it was solid enough. That was not the impression that I was left with when I finished, when I finished watching SummerSlam for the first time in a while. It was a case of, right, that truly delivered. Like, one or two things I wasn't particularly happy with. I wasn't happy with the Bludgeon Brothers and New Day finish. Um... And that will touch on the matches later on individually. <clears throat> but overall, like I said, I left that entire pay-per-view like saying, right, we've got some new foods, some foods are finished, and and I said it last week, <clears throat> it was a, an indictment on the Raw main event scene that I went into this pay-per-view saying, if Roman wins, or sorry, if Brock Lesnar walk, leaves and he's not the Universal t- uh, Champion, that it's a successful pay-per-view. <clears throat> <laughs> Like you know, like we could we could have been treated to four or five star classic matches all the way through, but if Brock Lesnar walked out of that arena with the title, I would have just been so deflated. I'd say, you know, why couldn't care less what took place before it? And on the flip side, it could have been treated to one star match all the way through. But as long as, as long as Brock didn't leave with the title, it was successful pay per view. But like I say, overall, I I I enjoyed what I saw on Sunday. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Ricky. I know the whole storyline was for us to be tired of Brock Lesnar, but I mean, I, I mean, I, I fell into the trap. I will, I am tired of Brock Lesnar, and especially I think he's talented and he can be just used in so many more creative ways. And I was just kind of tired of like the invisible champion kind of I don't care about being here storyline. So yeah, at the end of the night, I was happy that we actually have a full time Universal Champion. Yeah, for me, uh, Saturday was the sort of what great pay-per-view and SummerSlam was the, the storyline de- like typical of how WWE is at the moment you've got all the, the great wrestling going on on NXT and it's not as great wrestling on the main roster but you've still got story development but uh, for most of it I was happy with how the stories developed um, some of them in particular I enjoyed with Dean Ambrose not yet turning heel it would be great to watch but from a kayfabe point of view I'm not ready for those guys to break up yet, Dean and Seth. Um, the AJ Samoa Joe match was really solid, and Samoa Joe at the end of that match was an evil, horrible man who was picking on Wendy at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was intense. Uh, did Did you guys watch the kickoff show at all? Mm-hmm. I, I, I I watched it before I went to bed. On this Sunday night, and then I watched some of them as I woke up. Gotcha. Yeah. So, just real quickly on the kickoff, I mean, the what do you guys think about um, the mixed tag of Almas and um, Zelina against Rusev and Lana? Uh, <laughs> it, it, like for me, like at this moment in time, ideally, I do, I would have liked Almas to be doing something better, and I would, I would, you know, just I would. Openly state all the time that you should just put the title on Rusev, any title, every <laughs> title. Um, it was just, it was good to see them on the card because, like I said, I enjoyed the match they had a few weeks prior to it. Um, it was fine, but now I think just let's now start to really 
elevate and push Almas especially. Um, like I think I, I I understand that we need to have a storyline for them coming in, but I don't. For me personally, I don't want to see. I don't want to see him going straight into matches with Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. I would rather you just keep building, build them up, build them up, and then eventually down the line we get to see all these matches. And I think as much as we hate, we've hated what's happened so far. The good thing is that at least we're still going. We still got the potential of having Almas and Daniel Bryan, Almas and Jeff Hardy or whatever, or AJ Styles or anyone else like that. So I think now the important thing is just to start really just strap that rocket to his back and just really just push him to the moon what do you think about it Clive I will be honest I haven't seen all of the pre-show uh, I was due to just work and family I do get strapped for time so I did go out of my way to see the cruiserweight title match and oh, first of all Caleb Baldwin I'm shouting <laughs> you out because I turned off all sort of group chats going Sunday night into Monday morning to make sure that I don't see any spoiler notifications come up on my phone. And then first thing I see when my alarm goes off on Monday morning is a private message from Caleb saying, do you think Cedric retains through 2018? I thought, you ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, not good, Caleb. Not good, man. So I'm calling you out right now. But uh, <laughs> So I can't really comment on the other two matches, I'm afraid, but the Cruiserweight title match... I was disappointed, apart from the fact that Cedric isn't an enjoyable champion for me so far, although he's matched with Hideo Itami a couple of weeks ago, and also a few weeks ago, sorry, and his match with Jack Gallagher last week was excellent. I was There's a momentum thing, 205 Live needs to keep on top of the momentum, and Drew Gulak was riding the wave, he was very popular, a really sort of badass guy with a stable behind him, a mean finisher in the Gulaks of Dragon Sleeper. And the Dragon Sleeper was the threat throughout the build to this match and it was it was only hinted at for like a minute or so in the match. And it was just a quick roll up with neither men actually hitting their finisher properly. So again, another big four pay per view and I'm a bit let down by a cruiserweight title match and considering that as you as you know I do the two oh five live columns for social suplex and I really enjoy the show, but again, the big four pay per view comes along, and I'm just left wanting. Yeah, I've also been, you know, I've been watching 205 Live every week, and you know, I've been enjoying your reports that you do every week. And again, I was kind of let down by this match too. I mean, it was all right as far as in ring quality, but I really expected uh, Drew Gulak to walk with the title. I think they've done a great job building him this whole time since he's been on 205 Live with the whole you know, PowerPoint stuff and, you know, for a better 205 Live mm-hmm. and this whole kind of campaign against high flyers. So I was really expecting them to, um, you know, switch the belt here and invest in Drew Gulak. And I think I'm kind of a, I think it's a kind of a problem that they keep putting these, uh, cruiserweight title matches on the pre-show because you need to get more exposure for these guys because even though the show is great every week majority of the fan base is still not watching it i went to um smackdown live tapings here in tampa a couple weeks ago and when it was time for 205 live first of all you had people some people leaving they didn't want to stick around through it to get the dark match and the people that were there, you know, there were people behind me like, you know, who are these guys? Like, are these D-League wrestlers? Like, Oof. I've never seen this guy. Or, like, making fun of, like, you know, Leo Rush. Like, oh, that guy is so small. Like, I could beat that guy. And it's all these crazy comments all night about these 205 guys. And, you know, they're not on Raw anymore. And the only way to see these guys is on the network. 
And for them being exposed to main roster crowds, that's not good enough for them. They need to be getting like SummerSlam was this long show. Like you're telling me they couldn't have, you know, squeezed this onto the main card or maybe switched another match to the pre show. So I think they need to do a better positioning of the cruiserweights on these mm-hmm. big four shows or just regular pay per views in general. I mean, I think they can squeeze in a, a cruiserweight title match on more of these yeah. shows. And the thing that's annoying me about it is these pre show matches there are people who defend the pre-show matches, fair enough. And these things last two hours. Surely you've got time to splice in the adverts for the main roster, the main card matches, out with the actual matches because you're having, okay, it might be the heel working on someone's neck with a sleeper hold, but you're cutting away and it goes to the small screen in the corner and you've got this big massive advert for AJ versus Samoa Joe. I know that AJ Samoa Joe is going to happen. You don't need to remind me. And it's just, it's an afterthought. The, the matches, they're already kind of an afterthought on the pre afterthought on the pre-show. And then they're even more because they're just hidden away in the corner. It's, as you can tell, I do, I'm quite passionate about 205 Live and you've hit the nail right on the head, Jeremy. The exposure needs to be better because have you seen them um, this week's Tornado Tag Team match? No, I haven't, I haven't got a chance to watch 205 yet. I'm going to watch it after I get done recording with you guys. Well, there was crazy, insane pace all the way through. There were, there were two botches, I think, but Grand Metallic, I don't think his feet touched the floor. He just ran the ropes the whole time, basically. Uh, so if they had that exposure, people would tune in and say, oh, I think I will watch 205, this, 205 Live this week and see a really good Tornado Tag Team match. So I'm getting a bit hot under the collar here, so I'm going to let Ricky <laughs> join in now. <laughs> I've just got a few things. Like I agree that Cruiserweight should be on the main um, main card. But I was fully prepared to sit and go five hours. Like so, I was quite surprised that it went four. I I was on it. I was I was more. I got myself mentally prepared. But right, it's going to go five hours. It's definitely going five hours, and it didn't. Um, and the other thing is, like for a lot of people who don't know who the cruiserweights are, well I said it last week or the week before, I think it was last week well, arguably the best wrestler on the entire roster resides in 205 and Mustafa Ali so if that alone will want to make you tune in, um, and I said last week I think it's time we had that discussion and debate that he should be mentioned alongside Almas and AJ etc, um, and probably the only reason why he's not is because a lot of people aren't um, ex- Given, they're not given that much exposure to 205. Um, so I say he's just been stuck on a network um, that isn't really doing him too many favours as well. Another thing, like I even say that in other predictions that I agreed, like um, Cedric's reign, like I just not don't like it, I'm not a fan of it. I didn't even like the match he had with Mustafa Ali um, when he won a title either. Um, so yeah, I was I was quite set for Gulak because I I think I was saying to Clive off and stuff. I was quite looking for. I wanted to see Gulak and Mustafa Ali <clears throat> have a few over the title as well. So which we're not going to get, but I just don't get it with Cedric Alexander. I just yeah. I don't get it. I mean Cedric, I think he, he's a good wrestler, and I I don't know. He just hasn't been clicking in a lot of these big stage matches. I think there might be some, you know, different producers for the the big shows compared uh, to 205 Live and why they're not connecting on the, the bigger shows. Um, but I agree with you. Mustafa Ali, he's probably the best WWE TV wrestler uh, this year. And it's a shame that more people are not watching his work. I mean, this guy goes out there and busts his ass. Every match he's in, um, 
he's an incredible baby face, has an incredible move set. I mean, that match with uh, Buddy Murphy, that no DQ match they oh. had, that was incredible. All these fatal four-way matches he's had, you know, the matches with Hideo. I mean, all these matches he's been having have just been great. And this guy's, you know, on fire. And to think, he was an alternate in the Cruiserweight Classic. And now mm-hmm. he's like one of the top stars oh. on the 205 Live <clears throat> brand. So, yeah, I definitely would love to see uh, Mustafa get more love. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe next year, if they they need to change some things up with 205, maybe, you know, tape 205 in full sale where you have a crowd that would actually appreciate that action. And then add the Cruiserweight title matches to takeovers instead of, yeah. Yeah, So that way, yeah, you add a six match to takeover, add a Cruiserweight match, the crowd will probably be more into it and more appreciative of that style. So you said you were at SmackDown, so... How long was the wait between the end of SmackDown and the start of 205? Uh, so so they run SmackDown for two hours, and then 205 starts right after that. And so the, the, the dark match, the dark main event that they want you to stay for was AJ Styles versus Nakamura. So you you pretty much have to wait that whole 205 Live hour to get to the AJ Nakamura match. Okay. I was just wondering, just in case so, there was a bit, of, there was a bit of delay between the end of SmackDown and the start of two hundred five, but I suppose it won't be because on the network it runs immediately after. Um, yeah, SmackDown. it's a, so yeah, it's it's a pretty after, quick. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty quick. I mean, they as soon as SmackDown ends and the cameras go off for SmackDown, the the ring crew jumps out there, change the ring skirts, they put the purple tape on, and get and then they play like the the opening promo package for two hundred five live, and by the time that's done. The rings are all set up for 205, and then they just run it from there. See, the thing is, SmackDown have had quite a lot of hot main events recently. Look at last night with uh, New Day winning the tag titles again. That place was absolutely bouncing um, when they won that. So they've got this really big feel-good moment. So that doesn't make me hate the SummerSlam match as much, because it did say to me, I'm going on a tangent here, but when the Bludgeon Brothers had to kind of cheat to win on Sunday... Because they were actually struggling against New Day, I thought, right, New Day's time will come. Just that it came so quickly afterwards was a really good feel-good moment for the fans. And then they're dropping off to seeing Ring Crew change the ropes. They're going to be dead for it because they're out of energy. Because you see that happen a lot in matches and cards. Yeah, anyway. I, I really think they need, to, they need to record 205 Live before SmackDown. The crowd's still fresh. They're into it. Record, they have a lot of energy, and they'll be more into it than they are for um, after SmackDown. Hey, the young boy just walked in. Oh, here we go. Ricky and Clive want to say hi to you when you put your stuff down. (laughs) The young boy joins keeping it Scottish style. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sadly, we've talked about TakeOver already. All right, he's he's going to get his groceries, so let's uh let's keep let's keep let's keep going. <laughs> right, so we'll move on to the. I, I've not seen this one, so why don't you guys tell me about the Raw Tag Team Championship match? Uh, yeah, go go for it, Ricky. <laughs> uh, and and again, I'll refer back to our predictions. I was I like the B team. I think I think I like I think it's more so I like Bo Dallas as opposed to I like them as a team. Um, I kind of liken it to the SmackDown Women's match. It just if it's not the revival's time now, 
when on earth is it and when, why 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 are we going to take them serious? Um, yeah. Like, I oh god, it's just like I says I I do like the B team, but it really for me the revival had to win on Sunday because now all of a sudden where did they go from here? For me, cafe wise and non cafe wise, they're not going to get a title shot again for a while because I'm not sure who next in line it could be the offers of pain etc. But the revival have failed multiple times trying to get the tag titles. And like I say, for me, Sunday it should have been their time. Um, like I say, the BT have done a good job. They carved out a like, nice little niche for themselves. But the reality is, the revival are without a doubt one of the, if not the best tag team in the world, or certainly in the company. But they haven't been booked that way. They haven't been treated that way. And I felt Sunday should have been the start of them being treated the way they should. They were treating in NXT. And I'm kind of torn to be honest. I'm thinking more so. I was ready for the revival to be treated the way they deserve to be treated, but the, 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 I don't. I just don't know why they don't. Why they don't go with them? Yeah, I mean, I think they've just done a disservice to the whole Raw Tag Team division. I think they've treated it as a complete joke, and they definitely had an opportunity to kind of like set a new course on Sunday by putting the belts on the revival. But like you said, man, it's like they keep getting their shot and they don't put the belts on them, and so now like. I can never really take the revival seriously on the main roster anymore, especially if they're losing to a team like the B team. Um, and based off of the Raw booking this week, it looks like they're still doing revival versus B team rivalry. So I, I don't know what the, the plans are there. So I will say I did enjoy when B team said we're going to do our own reality show and they'll call it Total Failures instead. They'll call it a B <laughs> instead. <laughs> <laughs> young young boy running. He's <laughs> doing a photo bomb. Yeah, we're recording. We're live, man. <laughs> He's just ruined the ambience. How dare he? <laughs> so, will we move on to the main card proper then? Yeah. Right. So, first off, we had IC title match: Seth Rollins retaining, uh, sorry, winning and defeating Dolph Ziggler for the IC title. That was a decent match. A good strong. So, a uh, curtain jerker. Seth Rollins has become synonymous with them recently. Was that a thumbs up from you both? Oh, it's more than decent. Oh, I... yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought it was very good, very good matchup. And um, you know, Seth Rollins. There's a joke that he's like the best opening match wrestler in the world right now. But um, I thought, you know, both of these guys they have great chemistry. I think the Iron Man was kind of a fluke of them having like a not so great matchup. And, you know, in a regular, you know, one-on-one matchup, these guys, they did great here. A lot of great history. Like you mentioned, man, this cra- this match was a hot opener. The crowd was really behind it. You had the added elements of having uh, McIntyre and Ambrose out there. So I think both of those guys added to the story of the match. And overall, um, I thought it was, you know, just a hot opener. Yeah, at first, um, this first sort of 10, 15 minutes, I, I just kind of felt... They were cutting to Dean Ambrose and Drew McIntyre just a little bit too much for my liking, but that kind of tied in with the whole storyline that Dolph always needed Drew in order to win, and they touched on it in commentary themselves, I think. Um, so, yeah, but overall, like I say, that was a great start to the pay-per-view. Great match. I've enjoyed that entire feud. I think every match uh, has lived up to my expectations. Um, the only real question I think for most people had was 
was Dean Ambrose going to turn or not? And I'm, I'm glad they never done it that quickly. Um, obviously, now what happened on Raw as well, it's going to be delayed further. Um, but, yeah, great start to the night. Great, great. Um, I'm now hoping that as a result of this, they maybe start to break Drew slightly away from Dolph and now we start to see Drew getting pushed to the singles. Um, uh, in the singles um, scene, whether it's up straight up to the main... Uh, main title scene or just into the <clears throat> US title intercontinent title scene um, but yeah overall very good match to start the entire pay-per-view um, I think it was probably like, I'm not going to sit and argue too much if someone says it was their match of the night but it was certainly one of the top three matches of that night without a doubt yeah I mean after that reverse suplex into the reverse oh, Phoenix uh, wow. um, Falconero spot like it just picked up from there, and like they were just hitting all cylinders from that spot on, and it was just you know high fast paced action. It was definitely one of the better matches of the night, and like you said, Ricky, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't turn Dean. I think if they were going to turn Dean, they should have done it on night one when he came back. So I don't think it would have made sense for him to help him on Monday and then turn on him on Sunday. So yeah, I'm glad that they just you know just had him be in Seth's corner, and I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the whole Shield thing. And also with McIntyre, I agree. I think McIntyre is super talented. He proved that in his NXT title run. And uh, I can definitely see him being a universal title challenger for Roman Reigns. I mean, down the line, I think I would love to see him be the one guy that could beat Roman and take the belt from him. You've said oh, something the moment, similar, Ricky. Sorry, sorry, the moment, um, it was about four or five weeks ago, I think it was. Remember when Roman came down to help Seth? Help Seth. And then Drew was inside the ring and Roman had come down the spear Dolph and they're both just looking at one another. From that moment, I immediately says, I want to see that match, uh, Drew versus Roman. Um, and I think that will be a real hard-hitting affair. It'll be, and like he says, we're obviously big fans of, of Drew because he's Scottish as well, but like you <laughs> said, he's, he's super talented as well. Yeah, man. Drew is another one of those guys like got released went on the indies and made a name for himself, like had all these amazing matches and like came back and like proved that he's like a top star. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm waiting patiently for them to kind of pull the trigger on him. I feel like they should have probably pushed him a little bit further as soon as he came on the main roster. But um, hopefully this whole kind of Dolph finally losing the belt, they can kind of separate those guys a little bit and uh, they can push McIntyre a little bit more. Yeah, because it looks like they've, stopped Seth and Dolph having their feuds now so what left is there to do for Dolph Ziggler at the moment the only thing I could say is maybe they could go down the route of breaking them up just teasing it at first not an all out attack from someone and save it for a pay per view a couple of months down the line between Dolph and Drew that would be quite good it's either that or you have them uh, going after the tag team titles but I think that's a, a, a real disservice at this moment to Drew because he's more than capable and more than ready to be a single star. Yeah, I think, man, there's a, a lot of guys I feel like they get stuck in tag teams. Guys like uh, McIntyre and Cesaro, I mean, they have the perfect, like, build. They have great promos, great matches, but for whatever reason, they just kind of end up getting stuck in these, you know, tag team scenarios. Even before Drew got released, he got stuck, you know, with, like, 3MB. Um, at one point, he was, like, tag team with Cody Rhodes on SmackDown. Um, I mean, nothing wrong with tag teams if you treat the tag team seriously, but based off of the booking, the tag teams are are almost like third world citizens compared to singles guys. So, uh, I, I mean, 
I don't see why they keep shoving Drew in tag teams. We saw in NXT what he can do as a singles champion. So for me, that's good enough proof for Vince. That should be good enough proof for Vince that, hey, this guy can go. He can be a great face or heel champion. Let me push him in a singles role. Mm-hmm. See, I think you're talking about the tag team wrestling there and Cesaro is in the bar. The tag team division has come under a lot of slack, flack recently, but I think SmackDown are doing well with it at the moment. There's always We always do enjoy a tournament in which they've had in the build-up to SummerSlam, and it's a couple of times it's main-evented SmackDown. The match itself on Sunday night was decent between New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers, but it was missing the urgency that we did eventually get last night in SmackDown. So it's one of those ones... As of Sunday night, Monday morning, I wasn't a big fan of the match, but it told a slightly longer story, which helped New Day get the titles on Tuesday night. So I can't really complain about it now. Yeah, I thought their their SummerSlam match was fine. Uh, I mean, Xavier Woods was just out there killing himself with some crazy spots. (laughs) But the uh, the finish did kind of fall uh, flat for me. and, you know, Rowan, you know, shout out to Eric Rowan for going through that match with a torn bicep Oof. and even going through the no DQ match on SmackDown again with the torn bicep. So and I think kind of part like the SmackDown tag division, like you mentioned, has been better than the Raw division. I think the only problem with SmackDown is, you know, you built the Bludgeon Brothers so strong and they slaughtered like all the top tag teams. It was like, where do we go from yeah. here? Uh-huh. And I, I, I actually kind of wanted to see the bar be the ones to challenge him because that was a fresh matchup we haven't seen the bar versus bludgeon brothers yet and i feel like they could have brought Sheamus and cesaro back as baby faces or maybe even tweeners to go against uh the bludgeon brothers but uh you know new day wins the belts again not a problem with that i mean they're one of the best tag teams in uh the modern era so good stuff from them yeah we we were completely completely deflated um after the bar lost to the New Day a couple of weeks ago, because oh, uh, we were, we were, it felt like once uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, that like you said, ran through the entire sort of roster, it was like, right, we all kind of know the bar are still there and they still ultimately have to go through the bar, and it never happened. Um, like, my only issue with the match on Sunday was the finish. Uh, like I say, it started off a little bit slow because they were targeting uh, Xavier Woods. But then as soon as Big E came in, Big E gets a um, big ending and the pace started picking up. I would have rather, because because you had a DQ finish in the AJ Joe match, which in that storyline it made sense, I would have rather maybe just had Rowan attack um, one of the New Day with the mallet behind the referee's back and Harper takes advantage. Because I felt that way you would have then had a definitive, not so much a definitive winner, but at least you would have had a winner. And on top of that, you'd have still continued the story. You'd have told the story that the Bludgeon Brothers are now vulnerable. Like I said, I, I'm just I just wasn't a I'm big fan of having two DQ finishes on the same pay per view from the same brand. But other than that, that was my only gripe. Um, and then, like I said, the match last night was excellent. Um, some real bad looking bumps there as well. Kofi took the one uh, on on the ladders as well. Yeah. So. Let's say, um, and let's say, shout out to Eric Rowan for going through with those two matches with torn biceps. Um, kind of unfortunate for those guys because it seems like every single time they build up momentum, one of them are getting injured. <laughs> yeah. So it's unfortunate. But let's say the last time, the last time, and again, it's not. This isn't like silver lining or anything like that because it's never a good thing. But 
The last time such a thing happened, uh, Luke Harper got that singles push where we all thought he was going to main event WrestleMania. So <laughs> who knows? You know, we might we might get to see him getting another sort of mini push in a singles yeah. day. Yeah, I think Harper is a super talented guy. He's very underrated, and uh, I was kind of disappointed that he wasn't in that WrestleMania match with Orton and Bray. So you know, if if he's going to stay on SmackDown for now, I definitely think he could transition into a a top singles heel. Um, I have been seeing like rumors of them reforming the Wyatt family on Raw to go against the Shield, having like Braun bring in Bray and Luke Harper now to combat the Shield. So uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think I'd just rather see Harper uh, be singles for right now, but I guess we'll see what's in the plans. I had heard those rumours as well. I think maybe it was Bray Wyatt himself that started them by one of his cryptic tweets in reference to the Shield reforming. I mean, um, just whenever whenever Bray speaks, you know, no one ha- no one knows the meaning of anything. So, yeah, you know. but, yeah, and I, I and I just think that uh, you know Braun Strowman, he's such a hot babyface right now. Like, I don't think he needs like the Wyatt family. He's been proven to be so destructive. Like, I think he can be able to take on the Shield by himself, and I think it'd be more of an interesting story instead of running back, you know, 2014 doing Shield and Wyatt stuff again. And I mean, at this point, Braun Strowman has has been way hotter of a character than Bray Wyatt has ever been on the main roster. Uh Speaking speaking of Braun Strowman, next match, no, it wasn't the next match, was it? Yeah, yeah, the the Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens. it was actually. Yeah, that was after the tag match, yeah. Uh, This was one of the matches that I was very sort of disappointed in because Kevin Owens, for me, like... He's had a mixed bag of a main roster career, but it is important to remember that he's been one of the better sort of success stories, as it were, of the NXT call-up system. But this, what happened on Sunday, including, by the way, all the, the crazy stunts, etc., that he's done to help Braun retain his monster traits, this sort of less than five-minute-long decimation was pretty hard to stomach, and I really have to wonder, seems like he's got some sort of time off upcoming or something, but what are they going to do with Kevin Owens? Because, for me, his character's pretty damaged after the weekend. Yeah, I mean, this was a 1 minute 55 second squash. I think I think the thing with Kevin, Kevin Owens, he's just so great at what he does, and he's so great at getting other people over. Like, he, he did his job, like, perfectly in this match. Mm-hmm. But at the, at the end of these two minutes, Braun Strowman looked like a freaking monster, and he was ready to destroy anybody. But unfortunately, it, it, like you mentioned, it, da- it damaged Kevin Owens. This is a guy that was, you know, dominant NXT champion, dominant U.S. champion. Um, you know, he was the universal champion for a while. And, you know, he's, in my book, I consider him a main event guy and he's, he's another, another one of these guys that i mentioned that i've watched in ring of honor and kind of seen them come up from the indies and he's just super talented and could be utilized in such a bigger role but for whatever reason you know they know he's good at putting people over and he's good at you know like all those crazy flip bumps he was taking off of the shoulder blocks uh-huh. from Strowman. it's like he's the only guy that can probably do it that way and make Strowman look that good so they're like, you know, they they in Vince's eyes and the booking eyes, they probably see that as a great role for him helping elevate somebody. Mm-hmm. But when you look back at it, like, man, this guy, he should be a guy that's getting elevated because he's so good. Yeah. Okay. The problem, the problem was, why does it need to be Kevin Owens? 
Right, exactly, yeah. Um, I, like, I think if you fast forward, say, two, two, three months, I think we all forget this because of just how great Kevin Owens is. Both on the mic and in the ring, I think, give it time and we won't think about it. But I just felt, why did it need to be Kevin Owens? Why did it need to be him? He's too much, he's too big of a star to be treated like that. Um, and I know, Clive, you're probably going to go on a rant here, so I'll keep this short. For me, it, it was just, why could it not have been someone like Elias? Why Why on earth does it need to be probably your number one heel on that Raw brand, in my mind? Um, why did, just, just why Kevin Owens? And I understand it serves a purpose because you want Braun to look really strong because at the end of the day, it is Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is like a legitimate guy. So, like you say, the whole purpose was to keep make Braun look strong to ultimately, and we'll touch on it later, but he looks so strong earlier on, even in, and now he comes out later on, going to say, I'm going to cash in, and it makes it look even more legitimate and more believable after the destruction he's left before uh, earlier on in the evening. But like I say, um, why Kevin Owens? Why was Kevin Owens is the quote-unquote this sacrificial lamb um right and if they were going to do this at least at least have it somewhat competitive because there, there was some intrigue in the fact a potential of mm-hmm. kevin owens winning the briefcase so i wish they would have teased that more and had some more near falls uh with at least kevin owens at least, at least put that in the back of your head like wow maybe owens can win this and maybe he's going to cash in at the end of the night but they kind of threw that kind of out of the window and just slaughtered him Oh, because he got one, he got one super kick in, and Braun, you know, just just didn't flinch. Just sort of looked at him. So, it, it, it you know, it, it didn't need to be a fifteen minute, twenty minute match. You know, it could have just been two or three minutes more. But even if KO managed to get a little bit more offense in, like you say, just to just to make people that little bit more excited, maybe think, oh, he might win it. Because I think a lot of us were kind of we were all convinced. Why would you add this stipulation if KO is not going to win it? So. Well, like I said, I guess the whole point of that match was just to sort of enhance, further enhance Braun Strowman as a monster. But like I say, I've just got an issue that it was Kevin Owens that was used. Right, and I'm sure, too, having a short Braun Strowman match, that makes you think even more that he's going to cash in later and have a longer, like, a cash-in match. So I understand why they do it. Like you said, I just wish it wasn't Kevin Owens and it was somebody else a little bit lower on the totem pole. Mm. You don't need to worry, I'm not going to rant about it. I am sad though, very sad that my bae, Kevin Owens, was just destroyed in such a fashion. But the the next match was the SmackDown Women's Championship match and I didn't have much of a problem, but speaking of rants, this has set the internet ablaze with Charlotte Flair winning the title from Carmella, Um, Becky seemingly turning heel and it's just caused quite the uproar. So... Jeremy, what are your? Th- I don't think I've seen many of your thoughts regarding what's happened with Becky. Yeah, so uh, first starting with the match overall, I thought this was you know a good match. It I was. thought it was probably one of Carmella's better uh, main roster matches, and I did. And throughout the whole match, man, the crowd wanted Becky Lynch to win so bad. Like they were you know okay with Charlotte, and they cheered her when she was getting offense, but. They were really behind Becky Lynch. Every near fall, every time Becky got close to winning, like the crowd would lose their mind. They would get so hot every time Becky was on offense. So I do think WWE has missed the ball in this situation. Um, Becky Lynch is one of the best baby faces they had going. I feel like they should have put the belt on her. If not put the belt on her, 
then have Charlotte be the one that's the heel. Especially since she kind of like backdoored her way into this match and this storyline. Like this was supposed to be, you know, Becky versus Carmella. They did such a great job of building Becky up going into this match. She was beating people week after week after week and getting into this title match. So, you know, Charlotte comes back from injury and kind of just gets plopped into this title match. So I think it would have made more sense to go with Charlotte being the heel. I mean, just based off of her NXT work, Charlotte is is a great heel and a better heel. And, you know, based off Tuesday, Becky's out here. They have Becky Kitt in this, you know, forced heel promo, and the crowd is cheering her and booing Charlotte. So it's just one of those situations where, you know, WWE wants to force feed us who they want us to cheer and who they want us to boo instead of just going organically what's happening. Like, you hear the reaction that Becky Lynch gets on every show. Like, why not go with her as a baby face chasing a heel Charlotte? I... Clive, you want to go? No, no, on you go. So, who's my who's my favorite female wrestler in the company? Charlotte. I'm asking you. Yeah, Charlotte is also one of my top five or six wrestlers in the company. Period. So, I could make a case like if Charlotte goes undefeated for the rest of her career, like I will, I will sit and defend that all day long if I could. <laughs> um, Going into the match, you kind of felt, right, it's Becky's time. The one, two, three happens for Charlotte and she gets to win. My One of my immediate reactions was, mm, that was not your time. For me, it was one of my immediate reactions where this was. it felt like Becky's time leading into the match. And the moment the one, two, three took place, that, that feeling was confirmed. I just felt like this wasn't Charlotte's moment. This was Becky's moment for the title. And I thought even... Okay, fine, Charlotte wins. And then when embracing at the end, I was kind of hoping Charlotte would be the one that turns on mm. her then. Because I, I thought Charlotte was at her best when she was a heel. Um, the Becky promo she came out cutting on SmackDown, I kind of, I, I quite liked. I, I'm, I'll be intrigued to see where it goes. Um, maybe, like, I, I'd imagine they're going to have some sort of match at Evolution, maybe potentially before it. Um, but obviously we've got Carmella's rematch next week to see what happens from there um, but yeah like I say for me it was just an over, overwhelming sense of feeling that I was just I was disappointed that Charlotte went and I never thought I would feel like that because it just felt like it was Becky's time and and like I, I, I've not been a fan of Carmella like we, me and Clive had a bit of a debate a couple months ago about it all Um <laughs> But she she put work in on Sunday as well. Oh, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, that was probably one of her better performances. I mean, that, that suicide dive she did looked pretty good, and uh, you can tell she's she's working. She's trying to get better, but you know, I'm not here for her right now. I think she needed more time in NXT to get better. Um, but yeah, I'm I am glad the belt is off of her. But I do wish it would have either gone on Becky or go the heel Charlotte route. I was actually convinced that Carmella would still retain, that Charlotte and Becky would have their own feud. But obviously that's not the case. Um, the match did, as you've mentioned earlier, Ricky, Charlotte's inclusion in the match did help the quality of it. Uh, so I was personally enjoyed watching that one more than the Ronda Rousey Alexa Bliss match. We'll talk about that a wee bit later. But with Charlotte, with Becky's heel turn, I'm un, I'm sort of confused and undecided as to how to feel about it because, on the one hand, she should she. As far as I'm concerned, she's justified in her actions because 
there's nothing wrong with a baby face getting annoyed with something and lashing out and causing an uproar. What I would have liked is if they kept Becky face and after the retaliation on Sunday night, Charlotte was sort of sprawled over the commentary table and she started looking evilly in Becky's direction and sort of had cast that evil smirk to make everyone aware. Charlotte just got her arse handed to her, but she knew what she was doing all along and she's happy about it. I think that would have been a more interesting route to go down. With Becky turning heel, the... I kind of missed a lot of social media today, but there was a lot of people upset about the promo. And again, I'm not sure what to think. What she was saying, it was a wee bit forced, but it was still, there still was truth in it. Um, Like the best heels for me are supposed to be steeped in truth is what they're saying, but there's also a hint of delusion in what the heels are saying. There's a delusional quality to them. And what Becky was saying was delusional, in my opinion, so it's hard to also as well one of the things that happens a lot in WWE is the fans boo, sorry the fans cheer the heels regardless I mean people have been desperate to see Dean Ambrose turn heel people have love Adam Cole love Kevin Owens maybe there was even people interested in seeing Becky turn heel before SummerSlam even happened so I'm still undecided the promo was interesting but we'll just need to see what happens because as you say she was being cheered during the promos when she was talking about in Tuesday night there so still undecided is my official opinion <laughs> I, will, I will say I will say that the one positive thing about this is the fact that she's getting a spotlight now yes like she's not going to be you know not on Smackdown or in these random matches like there is some kind of direction for her, some kind of storyline. She's going to be featured more. She's going to get more promo time, more matches, more of a spotlight. So in that light, that's that's kind of the positive of this whole kind of push for her. But again, it's like what's going to happen every week when she's cheating and cutting these heel promos and the crowd is like losing their mind for her? Ricky? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree there. Um, let's see, maybe like... I I don't understand, right? I'm I'm I don't know why I would hate Charlotte in this in this situation. Like, like she like she she came back from injury and she was given the opportunity, but even from kayfabe or non kayfabe point of view, she like she didn't do anything wrong. She didn't do anything no one wouldn't do. So I don't know why why I would want to hate Charlotte. Like I know like storyline wise, they're trying to present her as the babyface, but like she's not been treated that way by the fans. Um. I think we just kind of need to wait and see where, where this goes. Um, it's what I will say though is that we have seen Charlotte, uh, a heel Charlotte, and face Becky. And I know I was advocating for Charlotte to turn heel, but maybe this is just a nice little wrinkle in it, just to see how this dynamic goes. Like I say, is when Seth and Dean, for instance, whenever they start feuding again, because they are going at some point. At least the wrinkle there could be that Dean's the heel this time, so it's just different dynamics. So, like I said, I think if we just sort of take it as a, a wait-and-see approach and, and see where they go from here, but, but I th- it, was a, it was an opportunity I felt missed on Sunday because it was a real feel-good moment that if um, Becky won the title, um, and then you could, like I said, you could have Charlotte turn on her that night, and then you would have garnered even more sympathetic, um, people feel more sympathetic towards Becky. I just felt it was an opportunity to miss, but like I said, I, I, for promo from last night, I was, I, I thought it was fine. Um, like I said, we'll just need to kind of wait and see where it goes now. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Becky's like a great performer. So she's going to do a great job in this role, regardless of what the crowd's reaction is. So, again, it's great seeing her getting some kind of push. But I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens as we have, you know, evolutions coming up. Also, there's the um, the Australia Super Showdown in October and Hell in a Cell. So it's like three big shows. They're kind of on the horizon. So it'll be interesting to see how the story uh, unfolds going into those three shows. And like you say, she's now going to be featured on every single SmackDown, given some sort of spotlight. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's certainly for at least a short-term um, future, if not long-term, so at least we can be somewhat happy with that. Yeah, that positive outweighs the negative of the where she is in the sort of heel-face spectrum at the moment, so I'm happy with that. But someone who doesn't mince their words in a promo, mid-match of all places is Samoa Joe in the match with AJ Styles. This was a sleeper hit for match of the night for me. Um, I was supr- I didn't think it would be just based on the recent form or recent match quality that AJ and both Samoa Joe has had but it was a slow start but it got going and it was really hard hitting uh, possibly maybe my favourite match of the night I would say maybe better than the IC title match what did you think Jeremy? Yeah I definitely thought this was better than the IC title match um I mean, Joe and AJ benefit just on their history. They've been wrestling each other for years and years now in Ring of Honor and Impact and all kind of other random little indies across the world. So they have the built-in chemistry. And then plus this whole new layer of this whole story of uh, Samoa Joe attacking um, AJ Styles' family. And, you know, for the first part of the match, I mean, I thought it was a great match. A lot of great back-and-forth action, a lot of great spots, a lot of great selling. Um, and, you know, the kind of the added drama of, Wendy Styles and um, the daughter being at ringside was an interesting twist. And, you know, I wasn't going into this match with high expectations just because AJ has just been all right this year. He hasn't been, you know, as great as he was maybe in like 2016. And like you mentioned, Samoa Joe really hasn't had any standout stuff on the main roster either. But I definitely think they knocked it out of the park. I feel like if they didn't have the DQ finish, this match would have been even better if they had a clean finish and um, they went probably like a few more minutes. It probably would have been the match of the night and probably be the WWE match of the year. But even though it was a DQ finish, I thought it made sense here, unlike the tag team title match earlier in the night. And I think it further develops the story to them going at each other at um, Hell in a Cell next month. Possibly in the Hell in a Cell as well? Yes, in Hell in a Cell, yeah. Yeah, the food, food calls for it already, I think. Yeah, I mean, you 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 bring somebody's wife into it and tell them that you're going to mm. be their daddy, like, oh. and like that, that's fine, <laughs> man. Like, you don't mess with a man's wife and then you say you're going to, you know, be their daddy. Like, yeah, you don't do that stuff. So this is now this is a blood feud now, which is great. And you know, one of my biggest complaints about the Hell in a Cell pay per view is that they sometimes just randomly throw two dudes in a cell yep. with it not being built up. You know, back in the day, the Hell in a Cell was a rivalry ender with a big blood feud. It was kind of the blow-off. And sometimes, you know, in recent years, like, Hell in a Cell is usually, like, the start of a feud, which never really made sense to me. So I'm glad that this is now, like, a blood feud and they can increase the brutality in the side of the Hell in a Cell match. And I think, you know, this has a great chance of actually being – um, the main event of Hell in a Cell, because, you know, since they've done um, the brands back together on one pay-per-view, the WWE title match hasn't sniffed being in uh, the main event. And I think, you know, right now, this is the hot feud, and there's nothing really that hot 
I mean, they're they're building the Roman and Braun stuff on Raw, but I feel like we've kind of done Roman and Braun in the main events before. I feel like they should give Joe and AJ um, the spotlight in Hell in a Cell in the main event in the cell and just have that be like a bloody brawl. Ricky, do you agree? I think, um, yeah, yeah. Um, first thing, Samoa Joe is just a cafe boy. is just a absolute piece of you know what. Um, <laughs> He first says the things before the match, and then, like he says, he says how he's going to be Wendy's daddy, you know. So <laughs> the DQ finished from that made sense then. Um, and in terms of sort of being a, like, a blood feud, I, I agree with that. It's a blood feud in the same same way that myself and Josh are locked in a, in a blood feud. Um, <laughs> uh, my only, I suppose, my only thing was I would have rather that first minute. First minute, two minutes that AJ just comes running out and just, you know, starts unloading kicks and punches. But instead, they sort of locked up like he's been saying stuff about your wife. You should want to pick up the nearest weapon and just start hitting right. him with it, sort of thing. So yeah, that was kind maybe... of weird, especially because, yeah, Joe like introduced, like, you know, Wendy Styles is here. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as the bell rang, they should have probably kickstarted it instead of like yep. doing the tra- traditional, like, lock up, like, chain wrestling spot. So that was kind of but... weird, but yeah. Yeah, the way the way as soon as Braun exited the ring, ring and the bell went, Roman came come in with the Superman punch. That's the way AJ should have started off, or the way Joe started the the match with Brock Lesnar last year. Do you know? So that was my only thing. But in terms of going into the going into the pay per view for this match, I said last week and I said on the uh, predictions that I'm just going to let myself get carried away and get so excited just based on what they've done in uh, TNA and I know 15 years later or whatever it is they're not the same type of wrestler but just because of those memories I'm just going to get carried away and if I'm disappointed so be it but I was far from disappointed Um, if this wasn't a match of the night it was probably it was a close second Um, I agree it was better than the Intercontinental and I'm just glad that it's now just not just a a one off match at least we're now going to get a potential blow off in Hell in a Cell maybe so I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. Well, I say it's just, just that beginning first couple of minutes. I wish they just came out and you know AJ mm-hmm. really took it to Joe. But that's my only thing. Um, but other than that, I thought it was a great, great match. One of the things that I enjoyed about it was usually when a wrestler's family's involved, there's some pretty hammy acting going on. Here's looking at you, Vicky Guerrero. But with with Wendy, and she wasn't acting. She was just there. She was. It felt like real life. Obviously, it's not a real story, but it just had a real feel to it. And with this kid there as well, his daughter saying, "Daddy, you're bleeding." It's like, oh, this is yeah. Close that to the element bone. when when you can mix reality into a match, into a storyline, it makes it so much better. And just seeing AJ Styles' daughter like more, like was kind of like scared of him with the blood coming from his head, oh. and was like, "Oh, daddy, you're bleeding," and like going back to the mom. That was the best part about it. Yes. That he took her and then she was like, oh no, you're bleeding and then decided to go back to her mum. That was the best part about it. Um, yeah. And like I said, Tom, you just can't, you just can't, um, you can't, you just can't, uh, like, book that last, you just can't script that moment. So that was excellent to see as well. Just imagine, like, five years ago, if someone said to you, in a few years' time, AJ Styles will face Samoa Joe in a WWE cell. You'd say no, no chance, and it's a very real possibility now. 
That's crazy. Yeah, like, dude, like I never thought that I would see AJ Styles and Samoa Joe in WWE at the same time, let alone feuding against each other. Uh-huh. So, like, being a big fan of those guys for their whole careers, like, it's just awesome seeing them in a spotlight in a WWE championship match. And now they're, like, the main event feud of SmackDown. So, yeah, I'm really happy for those guys. They're doing great work. So, I'm interested to see, like, what the next step in this whole story is and, you know, having um, AJ's family involved. Good stuff. Well, Joe, Joe, again, after he choked out AJ on SmackDown, he was on the microphone shouting down at Wendy again. So... <laughs> It's just it's just going to escalate from there. It's going to get more and more heated. So yeah, yeah. It's like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm so happy this match delivered because this was the one match that I was really hoping it would deliver, and it's one match I went in with my expectations through the roof, and I'm just, I'm so glad it delivered. Yeah, and I could see the story kind of going almost similar to Gargano Champa, where AJ's like anger and frustration gets the better of him which causes Samoa Joe to win the championship mm-hmm. Good stuff, Smackdown's doing really well at the moment I have to say there's not many missteps going on uh, but next match was Miz and Daniel Bryan, is that right? Yep Yep. I kind of wanted more from this one if I'm being honest, just from a match quality and match atmosphere perspective because it was good Told a good story in the ring, but did the crowd feel flat to any of you at all? I I don't know. Like I guess I didn't really like pay attention to the crowd too much in this match because I was really into this matchup and I was looking forward to this match all night. And just like the moment that Daniel Bryan was finally able to punch Miz in the face, like uh-huh. I don't know. Like we we kind of had a debate in this in our group chat because I feel like um, James Boyd's a little bit on your side, Clive, where he thought like the match could have been a little bit more. And me and Rich felt like, you know, this was a really great match. And, like, if they didn't have that, you know, screwy finish, like, this could have been, like, a WWE match of the year. I felt like, yes, there wasn't, like, flashy moves or flashy spots. But just, like, this built-in story of, like, finally, like, we're finally getting, Daniel Bryan's finally getting his hands on The Miz. And, like, this the whole story of, like, Miz, like, doing Daniel Bryan's moves in the match and, like, Daniel Bryan have to, you know, fighting from underneath and coming back. Like I thought, they told a great story um, in the match. I, my only, my only real problem was the match was a finish. Like I feel like mm-hmm. they could have done something a little bit more creative or something different than you know the whole like Maurice giving Miz the brass knuckles and that whole stuff. So see, that's I do, I totally get where you're coming from, but Miz has been doing stuff like that his whole career, right? So from that I, side of things, I can understand how the match finished and why it finished like that and obviously they might after this mixed tag that's coming up at Evolution, they could or is it Hell in a Cell, sorry? Hell in a Cell, cell. yeah. Hopefully they lock horns again in singles competition so I'm fine with how it finished. Well, they will because they're announced for that show in Australia. Yeah, Miz versus versus Daniel Bryan and the winner gets a, a title shot. Yeah. I completely missed it. And, and the Miz, the Miz has to win it and has to win the title. He has <laughs> to. Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble and then Miz finally gets his comeuppance at WrestleMania. My my only problem with that is that you're going to have Daniel Bryan lose to Miz back to back. I think I think I think it could. I think because the Miz is universally sort of loved by more, not universally, but he's a lot of people would we, we, we all like the Miz, and I think. It's fine. Um, I've always been a big believer in the sense that 
Daniel Bryan can lose as many matches in a row, his popularity and etc. will never suffer from it. And I just think you get to see Miz gloating for a few months how he's put Daniel Bryan in his place and he's greater than Daniel Bryan, etc. Um, on the flip side, if Daniel Bryan wins, we could get Daniel Bryan versus potentially AJ Styles for the title or, or Small Joe. So if whatever way they go, I'm, I'm okay, but I think I would probably put the title on him, uh, put the title on him as. Um, but in terms of this match, um, no, I really enjoyed it. That this was my favourite match of the night. Um, so the ending, the ending bugs me a little bit now, just in the sense that did they do that ending to set up the mixed tag match? Because I don't want to see the mixed tag match. Yeah, like I, that's that's kind of like the one like down part of this feud. Like I really don't think they need to bring Maurice and Brie Bella into the mix. I just kind of like convolute things and just you know kind of takes away the focus between Brian and Miz. I mean, I kind of understand it because you don't want them you know fighting each other back to back to back every single pay per view because then you kind of get worn out of that. But I feel like there's a, there could have been another way to kind of keep them apart from each other instead of evolving Brie and Marie. So, yeah, I'm not looking forward to the mix uh, match either. Yeah, that just screams of, oh, we need a big match for... Oh, I'm getting it wrong again. Well, it's still before Hell in a, uh, Evolution, isn't it? Right. So, yeah, there's, you're like probably a... going to get uh, Brie Bella versus Maurice one-on-one uh, at Evolution. Yeah. I'm not... We'll t- maybe talk about Evolution another day because it's starting to look like a, an exhibition series but anyway we'll we'll move on because but before we move on the Mizzy's chest you know that but now it wasn't Daniel Bryan's as but his dad is Daniel Bryan's at Greatest Royal Rumble but it looked really sore. Yeah dude Daniel Bryan went in on this man like I felt like I was watching like American Dragon Daniel Bryan with the kicks and the chops like you know he always jokes that you know Miz wrestles like the soft style well he made sure Miz like understood like the style he's normally wrestling and yeah he tore Miz's chest up well Miz made sure that Daniel Bryan knew he wasn't just a soft wrestler because see the it was a sort of turnbuckle assisted lariat off the ropes um, when Dan- mm-hmm. he upended Daniel Bryan upside down that was a really cool spot oh there. yes dude I was kind of scared that spot it looked like Bryan landed like right on his head I'm like oh why are you taking these risky bumps man I, I don't think they but, care uh, about his head from what we've seen so far <laughs> <laughs> Right, so the next match of the evening was oh well Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin only good thing <laughs> about this was the Demon came back to play uh, I had no int- no interests with this match going in and thankfully I was about to skip it but I saw the sort of heard the knocks and the sort of guitar grueling so I stayed to watch the entrance but glad it was over with quickly basically yeah, you know, I was not looking forward to this matchup either. I felt it was kind of a waste of a spot for Finn Balor. And, you know, I wasn't looking forward to this matchup. And then, you know, like you mentioned, the Demon music hit. We got uh, re- the return of Demon Balor, and we got a 1 minute and 30 second squash, which was awesome. Like, as soon as Finn came out to Demon Balor, exactly what happened. He just destroyed Corbin, like, uh, Strowman destroyed Kevin Owens earlier on, so I thought that was great for Finn. You know, Finn's kind of been um, kind of in limbo um, for the last few months. He really, he really hasn't been like pushed really hard, or he hasn't really been de pushed either. So it was kind of great for him to get a big win and to re 
um, debut the demon once again. So I'm hoping going forward that they um, get behind Balor more and give him a, a bigger push. I guess if you want to be really negative, on the flip side, you can say it really took you. You really had to bring a demon out to beat Baron Corbin. <laughs> no, that was a strange no, but one. No, I'm not. I won't go down that route. Like when the lights went out and you know the smoke started coming up, I was just sitting. I was like, I'm still kind of expecting him just to come out as normal Finn Balor. And then when you started seeing him appearing, you know, it was just I text Clive straight away. I, you know, I was like, couldn't believe it. Um, so that was it was fun to see. It really was. Um, that made the match itself more watchable. And yeah, I mean, the, crowd, was, the, the crowd was super into it because oh, of the team. That, that was that the was the biggest pop the of the night. Yeah. Oh, that was the biggest pop. Unbelievable. That for me, I think that was probably the biggest pop of the night, outside of maybe Braun coming down. Um, but let's say, and it was important. Like you say, is that um, it was a squash that Finn, you know, just from from I don't even know if Baron Corbin landed any kind of offense whatsoever. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. It was pretty yeah, much. I don't, just, I, don't, I, I don't think even like a single punch or anything. Um, yeah, it was just like Finn running through that guy. And, and, and I suppose, and I know we'll touch on it, but the following night, you know, he gets finally gets his Universal title rematch. And we were speaking about Kevin Owens earlier, and I suppose if you keep up with that trend, KO will be getting his title shot again soon. So, you know, but like I say, it was important that Finn win, especially come down. And a demon, but it was just as important they win it emphatically. Did yeah. You, did you notice that we were all upset that KO got squashed, but really not caring that Corbin got squashed? <laughs> yeah, because Corbin sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. That guy's a waste of space. I'm not a, not a big fan of him, to be honest. Constable Corbin, I can take it, but it's just so random that he's now the GM of Raw. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's better to keep him out of the ring, but he's still going to be taking up multiple segments. So, I know, bizarre. Now, the next match, I actually completely forgot it was on the card until uh, the music hit, the Jeff Hardy, Shinsuke Nakamura match. Uh, it was ho-hum, nothing great, but Jeff Hardy, I mean, he said in interviews recently that he needs to calm down with the swanton bombs and then he does a swanton bomb and lands right on, as you've said before, Jeremy, the hardest part of the ring. Yes, the hardest part. Dude, I'm like, what are you doing, Jeff? Like, you're over 40 years old. Like, your body's already broken down. Like, you're pretty much washed already. Like, why would you do a swanton on the apron? Um, Yeah, I thought that was kind of a very, like, dumb spot for him to do for his health and uh, moving forward. Um, and then he, he did the swanton on SmackDown to Orton to the table again. It's like you're you're going out here saying you're hurting and that you want to stop doing swantons, but now you're doing bigger swantons pretty much back-to-back. I know. <laughs> that was insane. Insane. When I saw that, I don't like, I don't even know if I wanted – I would have wanted him to land on Nakamura because I don't know if even that would have – No, that like, d- If that would have been better, like Nakamura yeah. could have died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely no need for it. Even for, especially for that match. I mean that, that that US title match was not that important. There's not that that much heat behind the feud. Exactly. Like if you're gonna do a crazy swanton, save it for a big a bigger match that has heat and has a feud. But this match, I mean, at this point we're we're all waiting for Rousey and the Universe title match. Like, just do a safe match and like just you know do your quick little ten minute match and get out of there. You don't. There's, there was no need for that crazy spot there. I mean, the feud coming into the match was Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy, so 
and Nakamura already, you know, owns was it two wins he had against him? And let's say it, I would, it would have made more sense to have Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy, but I just didn't understand why we ran Jeff Hardy and Nakamura again, and then you're doing stunt uh, bump, taking bumps like that. You know, it's just it's unbelievable. Um, I mean, the match itself was fine. It was fine. Um, but like you say, it was just we were just kind of waiting on the final two matches at this point. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm a big Jeff Hardy fan. I love Jeff Hardy, and I love Nakamura too. And so it's just kind of sad to see where these guys are at right now. Jeff, I mean, at this point in his career, he's pretty much washed since he's been in singles. He really hasn't had a standout match, and you can tell that he's just hurting. And then uh, Nakamura, I mean, it's just I'm used to seeing Nakamura in New Japan, and so he's kind of like changed his style for, to being on WWE, uh-huh. and so it's just it's just not as compelling to me. So. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Like, if if you don't watch the New Japan product, or you didn't when Nakamura was in it, I think the closest version to the New Japan version of Nakamura you were ever going to get was his match against Sami Zayn. Yeah, because at that point he was still sort of transitioning to the quote unquote WWE style. So, oh yeah, I, I just I'd be interested to see where they now go with Nakamura. Um, I'm I'm trying to think who it could possibly be. Um, maybe that could be a position for Luke Harper. Yeah, literally the only sort of mid card babyface I can think of off the top of my head would either be Rusev or Ty Dillinger or Artruth, but he wants to fight Carmela for some reason. <laughs> and, and Ty Dillinger is you know busy in catering, mm-hmm. so, so so yeah, I don't this know. Who just, gonna... You know, unless you just decide to go heel versus heel and and give and put Almas in that spot. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Right, so, second last match of the night. I'm looking forward to this now. (laughs) We're nearly there, guys. It's been a long one, but there's been a lot to cover. No, no, I'm saying I'm looking forward to hearing your analysis about this match coming up now. (laughs) (laughs) Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey squashed Alexa Bliss and for me... I know Alexa Bliss is the sort of picture that's been put on dartboards for many a fan, but this was hard to watch. Does anyone else think that at all? Like it was, it just wasn't a satis- like aesthetically satisfying squash match for me. Yeah, I I, I almost feel like her mat- This match should have been similar to um, the Finn and Kevin Owens kind of thing. Like Ronda should have squashed her in a minute. Like just in kayfabe sense. Ronda has an MMA background. She's the baddest woman on the planet. Alexa Bliss, like, kind of backdoors her ways into all these victories and is just not that great of a wrestler. They probably should have just had start the bell, like, Rousey rush her at the bell, big strikes, put her in the arm bar, and, like, get her out of there. But they kind of, this match went, you know, almost five minutes, and it was just pretty much just five minutes of Ronda throwing Alexa Bliss around. And so at that point, it was just like, why don't you just end her, like, as soon as you can? Uh-huh. Just hurry up. So I, like, I didn't mind the whole fact that Alexa was running away and I, you know, Ronda was talking quite a lot to her and, and then when she put on the armbar and stuff, I didn't really mind that so much and it just looked, looked like Ronda was enjoying just putting a beating on her. When she, at one point, you know, it looked like it was like a grown woman throwing around a child at one point <laughs> and yeah. I, I absolutely loved that, you know. Um, I love Ronda Rousey. I absolutely love her. Um, I know Clive feels completely different about it, but for me, 
of the way she's took to pro wrestling is unbelievable. Um, I'm not going to say that you know she's done, she's moving as quickly as Cup, and she was on the same trajectory or anything. But you know she's kind of like she, she's she's going at a very very fast pace, and I think she's picking up with things. Um, and I think her, I think her like really putting a beating on Alexa Bliss to me makes sense because if you look at it, whether you want to look at it kayfabe-wise or non-kayfabe-wise, Ronda had every conceivable advantage going into the match. Um, and like I say, I think if anyone has any issues with how Ronda's going to be booked, I know maybe I'm hoping it don't take the sort of Brock Lesnar route with her in the sense that she just squashes everyone and anyone. But I'm looking forward to a potential match against Sasha or Bailey or Nia Jax again or Natalia and then ultimately Charlotte Flair and Shayna Baszler. So for me, the match made sense. I'm glad Alexa Bliss got no offence in whatsoever um, in the book Ronda to look absolutely dominant. And like I say, um, I absolutely, like I say, I'm a massive, massive fan of it. I just don't... The whole Ronda versus Nikki Bella thing seems like it's going to happen in Evolution, especially now that it came down after the match and they came down on Raw and... Not too enamoured with that, you know. Um, I could do without seeing that match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, these evolution matches have been very questionable, and so I'm, I am hoping that they do go a different direction and we don't get uh, Ronda and Nikki Bella. I just don't think that matchup would be uh, very good, especially if they're still pushing like Nikki Bella as a face right now. So hopefully that they just brought Nikki Bella back on screen just to get her like reintroduced and maybe. They'll do something, another match of her, and we get like a, a better Raw Women's Title match with uh, Rousey. Mm-hmm. The whole, I'm really sort of back and forth with Rousey, but as of Sunday night, I just wasn't a fan. I feel like I might be wrong. I feel like the the super dominant champion problem that we've had with Brock for the last two year year and a half or so might have just been transferred over to Ronda Rousey. Um, even though she can be on Raw most weeks, it still feels like she still feels like a part timer to me because she's had so few matches, um, and because she's not been used in matches, I thought the the trash talking that she did during the match it felt very forced to me, and I might be harsh just because I've had a bit of an issue with Ronda Rousey since the get the get go, but I've I've heard a lot better trash talking in my days to be fair. Here's the thing, like, that's the way she was in her MMA career. Right, like, okay. she, especially in weigh-ins, she would come up and she would sort of get in people's faces and she would come across and really try to intimidate people. So it might have seemed false, but she was just... I, I you don't want to speak personal, but I say specifically at weigh-ins and the build-ups to matches, she really didn't... She didn't really come across as a very likeable person. Mm-hmm. She just came across like, I'm going to beat the hell out of you, and she made the other person know it and she would sort of impose her will on the opponent even before the match so that's the kind of feeling I got from her in, in talking about like a Brock Lesnar type thing like, I think if you just break it down like Sasha and Bailey are that damn great that they're not going to get squashed Natalia's angle could be in the sense that I've trained you from day one I know you inside out, I know what you're going to do so I can counter that and Nia Jack when she faced Nia Jax, it was, Nia Jax got a lot, a lot of yeah. offense in, in that match, so I, I, I'm i not too worried about how they're going to book her. I think I'm looking forward to some of these foods that she could potentially get into. Well, just right. give, give us more then. Like, give us more matches instead of like half a minute beatdowns every couple of weeks or so. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and one thing that I am kind of concerned about was the angle that happened on Monday of uh, putting Stephanie in the arm bar. Like, is she going to get suspended again because of that? Or maybe Evolution, maybe they're they're going for Stephanie versus Ronda. And so it's like, once again, we're not involving Ronda with some of the better women that we want to see her um, have matches with. So that's the only one thing I am kind of concerned about. Like, I would like to see like another Nia Jax match. Cause we we didn't get a finish, a clean finish there. And then just seeing her against like Bailey and uh, Sasha, Ember Moon, uh, Ruby Riot, like so many. All these... There's so many of them there to choose from. And and you could go like I said. I think we touched on it slightly earlier. Instead of going Stephanie and Ronda Evolution, you could always have Shayna Baszler coming in as Stephanie's muscle. And if you want, you could go that route. But like I said, we sort of touched on why we wouldn't do that. But I like I say, I'm I never. I thought at the first when Evolution was announced that they might go Stephanie Ronda, or, or we're certainly going to go with that at some point. I haven't really thought of it since until Jeremy said it. And like I say, I, I mean, I would rather see Nikki Bella than Ronda than see Stephanie and Ronda. Um, in fact, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't like Nikki Bella at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, the main event, gentlemen, was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. We had a sort of tease running from Braun Strowman saying, I'm going to wait till whoever wins this match and I'm going to cash in my briefcase and walk away the champion. It was all over and done with within about 10 minutes from like sort of music to the credits. I enjoyed it. I know some people don't and there's people who are like not so much got it in for Roman Reigns but they can't see past things about Roman Reigns. I think personally... It was the best thing they could have done with Roman Reigns because, see, from a sort of non-cynical and like a non-cynical opinion, is this the fuck finish that they made that they had? It made it believable that this superhuman Brock could lose the title because there was lots of distractions going on, and the sort of car- the sort of screwy finish also reminded everyone that Roman Roman isn't superhuman, so any future competition for Roman is on like a level playing field. The cynical opinion. Vince inserted a popular babyface and a bringer of chaos into the main event in an attempt to try and not have the crowd sit all over the match. It's a concern that he's allowed to have because the crowd sat over the last pay-per-view main event with the, um, the Ironman match between Seth and Dolph. So it's damage control, yeah, it is, because and a lot of damage has been done in Raw's main event scene in particular. But if Vince wants to try and limit that damage control, then... I'm all for him sort of dressing up the main event with some shenanigans and then sort of cutting the show short. That didn't bother me that much, to be honest. And I was just more relieved and just happy that right, the hierarchy's reasserted itself on Raw again. So more than happy with how the main event went down. Yeah, I think it was a kind of a smart move to have Strowman out there, kind of distract the crowd a little bit. And then, you know, this matchup went six, about six minutes. So I thought it was a very um, smart on their on their. Uh, part to book it to be short get in get out you know give Roman the belt and like get out of there um and like we mentioned earlier I'm just happy that they're finally going and like finally doing it like I just kind of want them to get this Roman like title push out of the way like I feel like we've been stuck in a loop for like the last three or four years of this whole Roman Brock thing like Roman's supposed to be the guy and supposed to beat Brock and like every time we get to this point they like pull the rug from underneath his feet and go with Brock 
So I'm interested to see, like, finally, now that we have Roman, what what's the game plan now? So I'm, I'm interested to see where they're going to go forward with Roman as the champion. And I think it's still, you know, interesting to have Strowman with the briefcase and seeing him trying to cash in on Roman every week should be make for good TV. Um, Brock Lesnar lost. <laughs> you know? Brock. <laughs> fuck Brock, fuck Brock, fuck Brock. Um, just happy, just happy that's it. Like, I hope that's it over and done with completely. I'd imagine it would be now. Um, whether it's Roman or someone else, it was just, it now got to the point. It was, it doesn't matter who it is, as long as it's someone that's full time and we get to see the title of the week. And already day one of Roman's range, we get to see Roman versus Finn. And I'm not saying, oh, look, look how great Roman is, nothing like that. Like, immediately, what, what happens when you get a full time champion? And we get to see that as a main event. Um, like I said, the match itself was the exact same as. Most Brock's matches just organised chaos. Um, it, it worked fine. It worked fine. Braun being out there, it served a purpose. Um, like I says, I was texting Clive. Like I stopped watching it midway through, and I was texting him, and I was just saying, like, I'm so nervous. I was shaking, <laughs> like, because I was so worried that I just felt that Brock was going to win. And I thought he was too, and there was a lot of rumours that um, that he was going to win. And there was a rumor going around that they were going to negotiate his next contract 4 p.m. that day before the show. Oh, my God. So <laughs> so hearing that news, I was like, oh, crap. It's going to be WrestleMania 31 all over again. He's going to re-sign before the show, and he's going to win. Luckily, uh, I avoided all social media from pretty much um, Saturday afternoon until Monday night. And I don't know if that was before it, but I never saw that, so I'm kind of glad because that was I would have been worried, even more worried. But um, like I said, like, like I said at the start of the show, um, the title's now off Brock. It's on a full-time guy. Successful pay-per-view purely because of that. Um, everything else is just sort of like icing on the cake. Uh, the match itself, it was a fun little match. Like I said, it's, it's, it is what most Brock matches have become. Um, so, and then, but I think it's just it's just it's just a sweet relief now that it's on a full time guy. I think like like it says, Roman people love him, people hate him. It, to be honest, it shouldn't really matter now how it feels because at least we get to see the title every single week. And I don't want to say after day after one day, but all all of a sudden the universal title scene it seems there's more energy about it, there's more excitement yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And and obviously what took place at the end of Raw on Monday as well is sort of like brought people's excitement levels up so yeah um, happy that Brock is no longer there or no longer with the title um, and like I said I thought he was supposed to be advertised for the, the Raw or a couple of days ago um, thankfully he wasn't there thankfully we don't see him again and hopefully the next time we see him we'll be DC pounding on him in the octagon <laughs> <laughs> see you there yeah, and like, on... I, I don't know how I feel just quite yet about like the whole Shield reunion uh, with Roman Reigns, I mean, I definitely feel like it's a uh, a crutch to kind of make sure that Roman gets cheered, um, having Dean and Seth behind him. Um, I mean, I would have been kind of like to see what they could do with Roman by himself, but I guess we'll see what happens going forward. What do you guys think about the whole Shield reunion? I think there is a possibility that they're using this to help Roman stay over with the crowds, but um, it it does make sense from a sort of kayfabe point of view that 
the only reason the Shields sort of disbanded last time was because Dean was injured. They were, right. don't, we don't know what the creative would have been for the next few months leading up to that. So from that point of view, there's still a brotherhood. There's still a unit. And it, Dean's back now, so that makes sense. Also, their man, their dog, was about to be cashed in on after a really good competitive <laughs> match against... That, that's the big dog to you. So, <laughs> the big dog. Um, so it makes sense that they would try and save him from being cashed in on because they knew that he was vulnerable. And can I, can I just say that before the Shield even came down, that main event was fire. The crowd was so hot for it. The atmosphere was electric. And these are the kind of things that we're not getting. Even if it is a rip-off of John Cena's Open Challenge, if we're going to get even a f- one or two more Universal title toll matches on Raw over the next few months, that's going to be some good stuff, good telly right there. Yeah, I think um, you know a lot of people, their opinions on just Roman Reigns' character and how he's booked overshadows his in-ring ability. Roman is a very good wrestler. Um, he's very good in-ring and does deliver in big matchups. And so, you know, having a champion that's going to be able to give us good matches when he's booked against good wrestlers is a good thing. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys on Raw, more on the babyface side. They need to have some more heels um, that are better wrestlers for him to go against. But there are still some good guys that he can go against. And there's the whole him and Lashley thing that they can run back since Lashley did. They're kind of even right now, one on one. So I expect him to defend against Lashley at some point in the future, too. And, and it could go Kevin Owens. It could go Drew. If for a one-off match on Raw, you could always go somewhere like Dolph Ziggler. Um, yeah, right. So, and like I said, we've got the Braun thing that's happening as well. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of fresh matchups there that we can finally get to see. Um, in terms of the Shield, completely unexpected. Comple- I never I it never came into my mind whatsoever that that was going to happen. Um I think I've now watched it about 20 or 30 times where I just, I, I was sitting down earlier on and I must have watched it about five or six times. Um, so yeah, it was it was unexpected. But you know, <laughs> the great thing about that, I don't know if anyone picked up on it, right? So last week when Ambrose returns, the first thing he does, he runs towards Dolph Ziggler and kicks him in the dick. Immediately after they took uh, Braun down in the ring, you had sort of Seth and, and Roman sort of like posing and pouting. Ambrose immediately just gets out straight, straight out the ring and starts taking dismantling the table to put Braun through it. And I was like, you know, that just feeds more into this whole lunatic fringe character he's got going on. And it was, like I say, that moment when I saw him doing that stuff, I was like, I'm so happy to have him back. Um, yeah, like I say, this, this time around, more than anything, it doesn't feel... The Shield reunion doesn't feel forced. Last time it like when Ambrose and Raw Ambrose and Rollins got back together, you're almost waiting for it when they're going to put Roman back together, and you could see it coming. But this right. time it it almost feels organic because, like I say, this you could look at it two ways. You could always just say that Roman prepared the guys and it was already planned. If something happens, you know, you'll come down and have my back, or it's a case of. Ambrose and Rollins have decided to do this off their own back because they want to make sure they've got their brothers back. So, but like I say, for me, it was it was a lot of shock, and I'm I'm intrigued to see where they go with it. My only concern would be that I hope it's not too much Shield centric in a sense that we now forget that Roman's the Universal Champion and we don't really get to see as many title matches or feuds. I would I so I'm hoping, like I say, remember when. Um, 
Dean Ambrose had the US title and he never really defended it. I'm right. hoping we don't get that sort of situation. But on top of that, I would give um, Dean and Seth the tag titles. I would put every title on top of the shield, uh, into the shield. <laughs> so very happy to see them back together. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the uh, alignment is going to be going forward because you know Roman's currently a face right now. Strowman's currently a face. Um, so I'm wondering like, if they're going to keep this a face versus face or are they going to try and turn Strowman or are they going to make the Shield heels again? So I'm curious to see what, what's going to uh, unfold with these guys. Yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah. Some good TV ahead, I think. Looking forward to all of it. Good stuff. So we've reached the conclusion of the review of SummerSlam Weekend. Quite a long episode. I hope you're still with us. But I've enjoyed the chat. Ta- I've enjoyed the chat. But the moment that I'm, I believe Jeremy's probably been waiting for since we agreed <laughs> to have this, <laughs> uh, it is indeed quiz time. It's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. A fucking WWE quiz. Before yeah. we do anything, before we do anything else, Jeremy, we would, um, if he's still in the vicinity, we would like to invite Youngboy to take part in the quiz if he wishes. All right, hold, let me grab him and see if he what's he's doing. Right, so while they're away, we need to talk tactics. So give me all the answers. Right, so the first the first question is um, who better than Canyon? Right, so that's the first question. <laughs> <laughs> What's the second question? Alright. The champ is here! Oh my god. (laughs) The champ is here! Sounds like he's falling down the stairs. Alright, they said it would never happen. (laughs) But here we are. This is before 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 we get started on the quiz, just want to say um, New Japan sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nice start to the phone call relationship, Ricky. Well done. Thank you for that. Well, remember, we're, we're in the midst of a blood feud at the moment. There's so much heat. I can feel the tension. I can cut it with a knife right now. I just feel like if New Japan sucks so bad... Then why is there little B shows like Cork and Hall outsell every single like English and like Scottish and Irish show that exists? <laughs> See what you've started. <laughs> Let, let's let's move on swiftly. <laughs> Very swiftly. Right, take the lead. Right, what so um, what is he happening? I was watching The Office and. Then- <laughs> First thing we need to do about the quiz is you obviously have to have your own sort of wrestler's catchphrase for a buzzer. So, Josh, you've just joined us. You need to give us your buzzer sound for the quiz. Oh, man. I... Right. It's time to play the game. Right. <laughs> okay. Jeremy? My buzzer's going to be super kick party. <laughs> and... <laughs> and mine, just as a reminder, is always oh, true, it's damn true. <laughs> right, here we go. Right, name the wrestlers who, who have won a title in New Japan as well as the NXT Championship. Super kick party! Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Adrian Neville. 
There's one more. Uh, Ricochet? No. The NXT. When, oh, NXT. Oh, the main NXT title? I thought you meant any mm-hmm. NXT title. Um, and um, Nakamura fit. Uh, Finn Balor. Correct. Oh my God. <laughs> well, well, I just, uh, will I just leave just now if you're going to hit out with all these historical New Japan questions? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What, what, what New Japan title are we talking about? It was Annie. He said Annie. Did you say Amos? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, then, then you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just, anyway, let's move on. Anyway, I, I, I got the point. I got the point. <laughs> Right. Since 2000, name the wrestlers who have won the N. <clears throat> Sorry, the IWGP Heavyweight Title as well as a title in WWE main roster. NXT excluded. It's time to play the game. You <laughs> didn't sound too convinced. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So the the question is, who's won the IWGP title and a main? Roster title. Yes. Okay. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles. There's one more I know. Yeah, there's one more. Brock Lesnar. There we go. Right. Brock Lesnar. Right. Clive, I I really don't expect you to get this one. Um, (laughs) Has Kurt Angle ever win the IWGP heavyweight title? Yes or no? It's time to play the game. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I thought... Didn't Brock hold it in 05 or 06? And then wasn't there some sort of split that cut then win? Yeah, it, it depends on what you're... Uh, like, what you count. If Yeah, so, I mean, Kurt Angle won the held-up version of the IWGP title from Brock Lesnar in the Inoki Genome Federation, it's not officially recognized by New Japan, but they did unify it into their their own version of the title at Wrestle Kingdom, so... Hey, we'll, we'll give Young Boy the point now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this, like I said, this was just a mismatch of questions because I left it quite late. So this is um, Clive's favourite um, quiz theme. So it's now going to be a, a who am I? Okay. So first one is you can buzz in anytime you want. I made my debut in ECW in 1997, and I then returned in 1999. So my next one is I made my WWE or WWF at the time. Debut later in 1997 at the Great Stampede, or the Grand Stampede, sorry. Um, oh. It's time to play the game. Go ahead. Uh, is it uh, Great Sasuke? It is not. Oh, I thought, right, so ECW. I think I know who it is then. Have you got any more clues? Yeah, any more clues. I win the WWF light heavyweight title. Oh, it's true, it's damn true. Go ahead. Is it Taka? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Dang it. Dang, yeah. I knew it was either Taka or, or Sasuke. I couldn't remember. The, fi- the final clue was going to be I chop a chop your pee pee. <laughs> I thought maybe that might give it away too. Right. <clears throat> I made my debut in 2006 attacking Kane. I left in 2010 before oh, returning true, in 2016. Oh, it's true. It's true. Say that again. Oh, on you go. Uh, Luke Gallows. Oh, correct. Because it was I fake imposter king. Yeah. Yep. Right, so number six is my favourite championship title of all time. <laughs> who who had the longest reign with the hardcore title? The greatest title in professional wrestling history. Oh, it's true. It's the, oh, well, it's up to Ricky to decide who came first there. I think it was Young Boy. We need to give it to our, our guests. Is it uh, Steve Blackman? It's incorrect. Is, oh, what? It's incorrect. Is this another one of those stupid trick questions of yours? More. There's been like a hundred yeah. champions. <laughs> more, more clues. You got any more clues? Oh, right, okay. Um, let me see. Let me see. So it lasted for 97 days. Um, I'm trying to give you a clue without giving this man's name away. One minute. Right, so he is unfortunately no longer with us. Hmm. Oh, uh, super, super Kick Party. Yes. Uh, Crash Holly. No, it's Crash Dead. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Why sorry, did I not know that? Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> no, um, well, no, he's not, but your next clue is The Undertaker tried to commit, tried to murder this man on TV. Right, so it's not Muhammad Hassan, because he wasn't no. the hardcore tramp, but he did try to murder him. Is there, uh, he's, Japan, is there a New Japan connection with this guy? No. I need to double check. <laughs> <laughs> he's a dead hardcore champion. Yep. And While Ricky's searching, I saw the genuine look of despair on his face when he realized that Crash Holly was no longer <laughs> with us. I'm I don't think so, no. There isn't a New Japan are you sure okay. it's not Steve Blackman? Because yes. Steve Blackman won it and then he had a feud with Shane O'Mac. Well, Black, Blackman's alive, though. Am I allowed to guess again? Go for yeah. It. Okay. Well, 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 it's not a New Japan. There's an All Japan Pro Wrestling. It's time to play the game? Yep. It's the big boss man? Ah. My Correct. God. Crash Holly? I'm live on the podcast um, <laughs> John Cena beat Batista in an I quit match what was the pay-per-view and which year it's time to play the game <sighs> mm-hmm. over the limit 2010 correct oh that's pulled straight out of the bag there yeah do you remember the finish? Yeah, he ate him off of a like car into 
hell or something <laughs> into the stage. No, or... he was going to, and then he quit to try to avoid it, and then he still did it anyway. So, so yeah, <laughs> seen as a heel. Uh, He's a hey. He was still cheer up John Cena. Um, right. Who win their first title quicker? So it could be any title. Kurt Angle or Ronda Rousey? Super kick party. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronda Rousey. Oh, so true. by de- well, you can't now guess if I'm going to say yes or no to that. So by default, I need to give the point to the other two. Because you didn't... cut one at one hundred and five, and Ronda was one three three. Really? Cut when ah, they, mm. they beat, did not beat. Was it Jericho who beat for the Intercontinental uh, title? You didn't specify yeah. one title. I didn't realize. I, I said a title. I know that. I know. Right. Okay. Here we go. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. Three months. In order from first title reign to now, tell me the reigns, the exact reigns of the NXT title. So from starting from the very first title holder all the way to now. So obviously we know Joe and Naka held it twice. I want you to account them in as well. So I need to know the order of the title holders from start to finish. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. I've got to at least try it to get some points on the board (laughs) Uh, right so Seth Rollins Mm -hmm. Big E Mm -hmm. Bo Dallas Mm -hmm. Neville Sami Zayn Kevin Owens Finn Balor Samoa Joe Nakamura oh Samoa Joe Nakamura Mm -hmm. Bobby Roode Drew McIntyre, oh, what's his face, Almas, then, oh, Alistair Black, then Champa. Thank God. Well done, well done. We've redeemed ourselves, we've redeemed ourselves. (laughs) After months, after months of of me talking absolute trash to these guys, we've finally got a point on the board. Can I, can I just say we have we, we have no chance for this yeah. super quiz that we're planning to do one day. We have, we've been threatening you, saying we're going to try you on the super quiz. I immediately regret this decision now. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, though, as long as we keep the ele- we plant it in our heads that Rich might be doing a Hulk Hogan or two of them, so you know he might turn and join us. As long as we keep that in our mind. Uh, right, last question. I think I think young boys already win, but we'll say it anyway. What are the three longest reigns in, of with, of the NXT title outside Finn Balor's? It's time to play the game. When you go. Oh, sorry, sorry. In order, longest to the shortest of the top three. Okay, so start with the longest, and then the next yep. longest. Yep. Okay. Um, the longest title reign. Oh man, they messed me up. <laughs> I was just gonna name them, and now I gotta name them in order. I'm like, oh, um, Finn Balor. You said outside of Finn Balor. Outside. Right? Oh, That's outside. So Neville. two, two, three, and four. Neville. Hmm. And then number three would be. This is tough. <laughs> I don't think I can answer this. Super kick party. There you go. So, Mr. Donovan. 
So we got Neville. Is uh, Bo Dallas number two? Yes. Oh, that's right. He had it for a long time. Yeah, he yeah, he did. Bo leave. <laughs> and then the last one, I believe Bobby Roode. Correct. Yep. Oh wow! Glorious. <laughs> so keeping it strong, so you win. <laughs> <laughs> Devastated. <laughs> Well, at least you got one of the sort of New Japan-ish questions right, so we'll be happy with that. Takami Shinoko, one of your favourite wrestlers. Oh no, you got two. You got two. You got the Luke Gallows one as well, actually. I was proud and uh, NXT champs. That's not too shabby, actually. I can accept that. Takami Shinoko is not one of my favourite wrestlers. You're a liar. He had, he had a good finisher. He's got some good stuff. His WWE stuff, if if you've only seen that, it's really not enough to go off of him. Yeah. With Taka, he's he's underrated in America, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the he'll be, he'll be forever remembered for the single. <laughs> yeah, he he wasn't chopping peepees in Japan. <laughs> he was driving driving folks' heads into the mat. That's what he was doing. Yeah. Right. So. Guys, it's one twenty-two a.m. over here, so I think we should call it a night because we've got some work in the month, like in hours, in a matter of hours. So, wow. thank you very much for coming on, Jeremy, to cover SummerSlam and NXT Takeover. Josh, thank you for coming in and destroying us on the quiz. Much appreciated. <laughs> we'll do it again sometime soon. Yes. Yeah, it was a pleasure uh, being on, guys. Definitely do it again. Ricky, have you got anything you want to say before we do the plugs? You can just do the plugs. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky's well, give a, give a, give a, give a, sh- give a shout out to Crash Holly. Yeah, rest in that, peace. That absolutely shook me. I didn't realise. So, Jeremy, why don't you um, put yourself over with regards to the, the great work that you're doing and keeping it strong style? So yeah, every Tuesday here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, you will find keeping it strong style with myself and the young boy. Josh Smith covering New Japan every week. Um, this past week, we had our buddy uh, Jamie Spector on the show. He was in Japan live for the last two nights of the G1 Climax 28. And plus, you know, we cover all the latest news and stuff like that. So check out Keeping It Strong Style. A lot of great stuff in the upcoming weeks. So, yeah. Good stuff. As well as Keeping It Strong Style and ourselves, you have Grown Men Watch This Shit, which covers all the, the indie wrestling around the world. One Nation Radio with Rich and James and Outsider's Edge with Rance, Carl and Kyle who's slowly but surely becoming the third member of their group so <laughs> that's all the podcasts you've got make sure to rate and review them on whatever podcast app you're using five stars or seven if your app lets you do that <laughs> um, on the socialsuplex.com website you can get access to those podcasts and the columns that we all do via subscription if you press the subscribe button you'll get all these columns and podcasts sent directly to your email and last but not least make sure to check out the wrestling squared circle facebook group where you'll meet us the the personalities of the network and another lots of other characters along the way so i think that's us i never do a perfect plug but that was one of the better ones i had you as an inspiration jeremy that's what it was <laughs> i felt pressured that was, that was that was good and uh, the, the biggest perk of joining our Facebook group is you'll get to see, you know, Ricky's handsome face and see the best-looking man in the network. Just as well, Josh. I wonder if uh, I was going to say. I wonder if Josh heard that. 
No, he, I think he, he went back in his room. <laughs> back to check See? himself out in the mirror. <laughs> well, that brings us to a close, guys. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Keeping It Scottish Style. Hopefully we'll get, <laughs> hopefully we'll get more in the future. Thanks for listening and hit it, Jeremy. Do the bit. Goodbye and good night. Bang! Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time.